who ding dong <laughs> in the middle of a podcast? All right, all right. Welcome everybody to episode nine thousand three. All right, let's not lie. Let's not episode one eleven. Yeah, you're on the money, homeboy. So, welcome to episode one eleven of Creative Writing. I hope you have a diaper on. Here. We're both here in studio tonight. So everybody, first time in a while. Yeah, I know. This is uh, God. This is new. This place feels boring now to me and stupid. We need to get out to. Uh, let's, let's go somewhere, Chris. Where should we go? <laughs> let's go some random place. I feel like we just got back. I know. I know. I I kind of do miss. Uh, You've been on location a lot lately. Yeah, it, it's not stressful, but it is like obviously you can't control for sound and and echo and stuff at least we have good mics and we're not like wingman's garage yelling across the uh <laughs> garage you know to each other but those guys really need the 70s show it where they sit around a table but i know they don't like to be too close to each other either so <laughs> that's another tangent hey welcome to episode 111 of creator Rain motorcycle podcast we got a few things to bring to you uh this week but the first thing i want to know about is dude i had uh some crazy friends in town I didn't go to the Veggie Classic. How was the Veggie Plate Classic Electric Luckily, Boogaloo? Um, it sounds like from talking to the main organizer, you might have one more chance to go. Oh. But uh, it went awesome. Like, except none of my hand shifters showed up. I had one hand shifter show up, uh, which was Go Takamini. Mm-hmm. Takamimi. Yeah, however you say his last name. Who's a uh, brat style too. So if you guys are familiar with motorcycle builders that are very talented, uh, Go is definitely one of the more talented. Um, he showed up on his 39 Indian hand shift kickstart, and uh, we just threw him in with the hooligans. I'm like, how's that sound? He's like, good. And I go, you want to start in the front? And he's like, let me think about it. I'm like, okay. Uh, I think he was thinking about starting in the back, so he just wouldn't like be in the pack. But he ended up starting in the front and won his first heat. Rad. Got like third and second heat. I think he got like fifth or sixth in the main. So, I mean, he hung with some pretty fast dudes, and he's got no – I mean, his bike's stout. He's tinkered on it quite a bit. Um, he lost a gear in the tranny, uh, but um, I think that must have been right after the ch- checkered or something. But, you know – because he still so, pulled off a W. Yeah, I think he's still. Well, that was in the uh, heat, but he's still placed in the main. I don't think he. Uh, Crazy. But Dude, you don't, on those old, I feel like the older the bike, the less gears and teeth and splines they need, actually. I mean, they kind of. Well, it's, I think it's only a three speed anyway. But I mean, if you think, like, unless the stuff's been made more recently, like, think how crappy all the metal is. <laughs> it's all, I old mean, kitchen pans. 1939. Melted down steel and aluminum was yeah. not what it is today Dude, uh, not not only was it not what it is but it was being rationed right right around that time for the war like yeah it was getting ready yeah yeah um but i he totally killed it and then um i think we had 17 bikes we were trying to have 12 to 16 and on short notice so it ended up being super awesome with bike numbers um, I thought like, I was like, Oh, I'm not going to race. I'm just going to go and relax and take some photos. And then Steve, uh, the guy that was like running the show, he goes, Oh, 
well, if you're not going to race here, you can be in charge of all the hooligans and you can get them lined up and you can make sure they're in the right spot when they're supposed to be in, yeah, screw this, in the racing. right heat. And <laughs> I was like, well, damn, I should have brought my bike. It would be less work. Yeah. But, um, I mean, honestly, you know, he said there's a few core Speedway fans that aren't enjoying it that much, but they're also kind of understanding why it's there and what it's bringing to even their sport. Hmm. But overall, the general uh, kind of vibe in the pits was – even the speedway people are stoked about it. They're enjoying it. Um, we're doing, and maybe it's because of Steve's uh, main focus and my background, both being like speedway, like we're doing some speedway style stuff. And I think that's appealing to those fans, but honestly, my riders are enjoying it. So um, I did determine this weekend too, that I will not put So Calhoun's name on any event that does not give the riders something special. Um, and in the case of like what we do, what we've done for the first two rounds of the veggie plate was they got two heats in a main instead of one heat in a main, like traditional flat track. And we pay speedway entry fees at the track, which is 25 bucks to race instead of like 40 or 50. So, um, it can be, it can be a hefty, you know, uh, when we were talking to Brian Bell about stuff like the price tags to race are, seem like they might be going up. So, I mean, that's awesome. It is. And... Where I don't agree with what he did was, to me, your riders shouldn't be paying your bills. Like, especially with what the hooligans are doing. Um, and Steve and Chris, the announcer that, you know, his partner in crime for the races, like, they both know that. And I, I'm not saying we did a lot of it or we did all of it. I mean, but the stands were packed at both events. There were more people in the stands than I've ever, ever seen at Paris. And that's including a couple pro nights like before the half mile when guys like Carver are going to come out, you know, and they got a purse and a big dash for cash and stuff like that. Like, I've never seen that place with so many people in the stands. Yeah, that says a lot. So, and, you know, we help with that. Like, I can look through the pits and you can look through the stands. You can tell, like, more, <clears throat> excuse me, more people rode their Harleys there. Um, and in the pits, like, all the people that bring – you know, it's not just a rider and his bike, it's his buddy or his dad or his like girlfriend or whatever. I mean, 17 riders, we probably had 12 or 15 like bystanders, maybe actually more. I forgot, you know, at the end of the night, like Butcher even came out and Mikey Virus came out. Like they didn't race, they just came out to check it out. Rad. So, you know, that to me was that was cool and it was good to see them like be entertained, so entertained by it. They just wanted to come chill and hang out, but. Yeah. You know, we're seeing the fans show up. We're seeing where we can, um, like, to me, what I want to do, like, I want to be able to say, hey, riders, there's an event, and I, I need people to show up. Like, I, I don't need three riders. I need 15 or 20 or 25. So um, I wanted to do Ventura in March, and basically, to me, it's an oxymoron, and this is for anyone that's promoting races, any track owners, you take this as you will, but... Basically, they were like, well, there's not enough people in the stands, so we don't want to add anything to the program. And I'm like, so what you're saying to me is there's not enough people in the stands, so you're going to keep doing the same old stupid shit you've been doing that no one's showing up for. (laughs) It's like reverse marketing. Yeah, like you're not going to change, basically. And so I was like, well, fine, if they, if Ventura's not, and all I wanted from Ventura was, um, if we go in with Steve, what we do, and we might be able to do this later in the year because there's a night that overlaps with Costa Mesa Speedway. So he won't be able to get Speedway riders. 
So what I wanted to do is we go in with Steve and we pay Speedway prices to race, which at Ventura I believe is 25 instead of 50. And then we get a Speedway style schedule, which is like I think three heats in a main or four heats in a main. And we were trying to jump in in March and do that with the Speedway guys, and it makes the program longer. But I'm like, so basically what um, is going to happen is I could, I would tack my name on it, not take any money from the track. Like the track's not paying me at all. And I could have got him, I'd say minimum 15 bikes, maybe 20, 25 plus people in the stands. But because he doesn't want to change the schedule at all, he's going to have two. Yeah. There'll be two hooligans there. I don't, you know, and there'll be two super random dudes. And then a week later, I'm going to pack out Paris again. Yeah. So you know, there's there's a saying, build it and they will come. You have to have yeah. the basis there first before you get the multitudes of crowds. Um, and what we were seeing as hooligans and as riders at Brian Bell's events, like we would do events where we'd go down there, we would be put on the schedule like normal people. We'd pay the same amount as everyone else, but he'd pay Brad Baker to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, or he'd pay a purse for the pros, and I know Ventura does that too, but he would put us in front so that everyone that came to the race would see us. Mm-hmm. Like he, we were who he wanted out front to to have the fans walking through to see because, and you could see in the parking lot how many people rode their Harleys. Yeah. And then we would see, you know, we would race our main and watch half of the fans get up and leave. And I'm like... I know it's expensive to rent some of those facilities, but I also know that like we are selling seats in your stands, but we're not getting kickback. And I, I'm not saying kickback, like we need a purse or we need like, but you know, give us a deal to race, which actually did come later with Brian, um, with the hooligans. Like he wanted to know from us, like what we wanted. And I get, you know, the first few rounds, uh, you know, he, he had to do it traditionally. I mean, he was learning and we were learning and, and it, he did not know and we did not know how it was going to work with the fans and stuff like that. That was something we had to see when we were there. But taking what I've learned with that and, you know, my point of view is a writer point of view. Like, to me, the promoter needs to promote and get people in the stands and that needs to pay your bills. And where I learned that was Speedway. So anyway, the veggie plate went great. Uh, I guess we're going to do a round three. Um, that was my little rant about Ventura and we might still do a race there later in the year. Like I said, with, uh, if Speedway can't make it, um, and we can go in as like kind of the Speedway and do the Speedway schedule. But those are the things that, uh, you know, I think everywhere, you know, racing in general, in general, like you have to look at everyone's so stuck. Well, we see in flat track anyway, and I think it's in a lot of forms of sporting events. Everyone's still stuck on what the professionals do. But I think you have to realize, like, I think one X Games is a great representation of this. And I'm not saying hooligan X Games. I'm saying X Games in general compared to, like, the Olympics. Like, and the Olympics sell a lot of tickets. But I think that's because it's four years in a different part of the world. Um, yeah, I think the Olympics is definitely a mainstream and a touristy thing where the X Games started as, like, people on the street doing ho- uh, not right. hooligan stuff, but yeah, it was skateboarding, extreme, yeah. skating, bicycle, like stuff that. And at the time, like they weren't really, yeah, they weren't really professional athletes, but people wanted to watch them. It was an extreme sport. It was entertaining. People were watching. It was bringing fans down. It was selling people's product. And I, I think that's one thing the hooligans do, and we know we do it. 
and I want like I want special shit for it basically. Yeah. So yeah, I guess you, you know, I mean, we'll see where it evolves and what happens with it, but I I'm 90% sure that March 24th we're going to be back at Paris. So anyone that listens to the show, March 24th. Rad. Um we're working with um Bradley being kind of my official photographer. Uh, he wasn't able to make it this weekend, but by official photographer, I officially don't pay him anything. Right. So Brad, you mean Bradley M. Petruchik, the yep. guy that we met at Twisted Throttles, the that, phenomenal artist? That Bradley. Um, another uh, photographer that likes to show up um, is Mr. Nate Bickham. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a new guy that's been coming out who uh, he also goes to the classic track days is uh, the race reels. And I talked to him this weekend. Um you know, it was it's important to me um, for those guys that are going to come out and take photos and help kind of support what we're doing. So I got them on the list, at least at the gate. And actually something else that was cool for the podcasters, uh, Caroline? No, Connie. Connie. Girl, oh, yeah. girl in a moto? Connie DiBartola. You yeah. Mean, you mean uh, Helen Babies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Connie came out. Got her on the list, so it just all all that does is save them fifteen bucks. But you know, if it's good for the sport, it, it's worth cutting. So you know, getting someone in the door. Yeah. So I'm totally uh, worth it. She's been uh, messaging me a lot. We're trying to hook her up with the bike. So if anybody has a good flat track bike, she's got her eye on a few, and I have a couple of lines on some cheapies. But it's like she wants something that's like she ready wants to a sporty. On. But I think she should get like a one ten or something for a while. Um, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with the sporty. You find a cheap sporty, but uh, damn, they're big bikes. And there was a kid this weekend that hopped on it, and it, he kind of got tossed over. He didn't get, like, thrown high-sided. He got high-sided, and it screwed his shoulder collarbone up a little bit. When you get to think, like, if a regular bike weighs 200 pounds and you weigh 200 pounds and it high-sides you and throws you 10 feet, if my hooligan bike throws you, it's going to throw you 20 feet. Right. So and, and it's four hundred pounds, may possibly. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it's over twice ass. as much, yeah. twice as much uh, mass tossing your body. Right. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, so we're those photographers have been coming out. She came out. She actually interview, interviewed uh, a girl that rides fifth. Well, no, she didn't interview her. Uh, she talked to a little girl a little bit, but I guess the girl's super shy and doesn't talk to people. But yeah. she's six, so um, she got a photo with her, and then she interviewed a girl that's about. 20 who's been racing speedway for five or six years now um so that was cool like you know she didn't interview any of the hooligans not that she's against it but i i you know and i knew going into it that her focus is girls on motos so it was cool that she got a couple like short interview or got an interview out of it and then got to know someone else out of it um and that there's a there was some girls on motos out there yeah it's to me it just it helps get it helps her with inter, you know, more interviews and and more podcast and staying relevant and you know just practice. You know, we're two hundred and ninety four episodes in, and I still feel like we're getting better all the time. Yeah. So it's practice, practice, practice. <laughs> and then it, you know, it's also good for Haley and for the sport of Speedway um, to kind of get that out there. You know what it is. I think a lot of people have no idea about the bikes and just about girls doing it in general. So I think that's always good. Um, yeah. Hey, speaking of flat track real quick, uh, the guy that's been emailing us, Matt from, uh, my motorbike obsessions, the guy yeah. that went to the boss drums yeah. to race on their ranch. And the guy who was looking for all sorts of cool stuff, had that guy swoop in on him on Craigslist and pull the bike out right from under him. He got a 2006 Honda CRF 450 
from Jim Wood at Southland oh, Racing damn. Products over in Redlands. Jim Wood is the, the man when it comes to 450s. Yeah, and it oh it's and it's ready. It's like race ready. It's got like the tire conversions on it. It's not it's not a dirt bike anymore. No, it's been like 84E. What bike is that? Mm, Wiggins is trying to do some uh, Sherlock Holmes in over here. Uh, I can't remember the kid's name. Yeah, I, but yeah. And Jim, like, Jim built Brad Baker's 450s. Like, yeah. Jim, Jim is no joke. Yeah. I mean, I've heard, I'm not even a racer and I've heard his name, you know. Be careful with flat track and the name Wood, though. You know, the Wood Rotax? The Ron Wood Rotax? Yeah. Totally different family of Wood. Mm. That's Ron Wood, not father of Jim Wood. And then there's Jim Wood. So, totally separate family. And then Jim's boy, I believe, is Jimmy, or maybe that's just what they call it. Maybe it's Jim and Jimmy or. They're both Jim. I don't know. But um, he also did, like, he used to work for Race Tech, and then he worked in Utah at a suspension place. And, like, midsummer when Jeffrey Carver was, like, stopping by and getting suspension work, that was uh, Jim Wood's son. Right. So two, like, super big hitters in the Southern Catwell in the whole national flat track scene, same last name, totally unrelated. Right. That's cool that CRF 450 will be fun. I mean, and that's a a good bike. I mean – I think so many people are scared to get a 450 flat track bike, but you just don't get it wide open into the wall and you're fine. <laughs> I was gonna say for the longest time, like that's all I, that's all I thought was available was like uh, 450s. You know, it's a good like affordable, but it's also like you can run super beginner amateur class or you can run pro class. Yeah, on the same bike with barely any setup changes yeah i think adam wahid a long time ago went out to paris um this is like way before the hooligans and stuff started going and i think even before ivy league started uh asking about how to get started in flat tracking and they said you can start with the with the bone stock like a crf 450 you just put a 19 inch front wheel and dirt track tires you can actually do it with knobbies but they only let you do it once yeah All right, everybody, we're going to jump out of here real quick-like and hear a brief announcement, and then we're going to get on to part two of the show. We have a special guest. Stick around for more creative writing, Motorcycle Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show today. My name is Rick James. I'm having a big art show in Oceanside, California. Come on down. It'll be on Saturday the 24th at Legacy Brewery. There's going to be tons of food, bands, other artists, and myself come on down we're gonna have great food local craft beer again saturday the 24th legacy brewing 363 airport road oceanside california 92058 come on out So hi, everybody. We are here. We have a special guest. We've had a few special guests uh, for the past couple of weeks. And Lately, could, we've been busy with uh, special yeah, guests. Yeah, I know. We've been we've been lousy with special guests. I almost said special effects, that too. <laughs> but um, I'm really excited because I know you're going to be in Portland this week racing. Well, this, this weekend. and Tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow. You're going to be up there. Unless you drop this early so I can listen to it on the drive. Oh, God, no. I'm gonna. This is going to go out regular time Friday. That's right. I can listen. I'm like saving. I'm no joke saving all my podcasts. Like there's two Misfits ones. They dropped two this week. Yeah. I'm not listening to them because I have a 20-some hour drive yeah. and I'm going to listen to podcasts. Yeah. And you're going to be up near someone who like 27-hour drive is nothing. And we just happen to have that person on the phone with us tonight. 
And uh, I'm going to go ahead. I, I usually I mess this up always so bad. I jump on it. I spoil the fun. And I like, oh, here's blah, blah. Now say your name, blah, blah. And I totally mess it up. So special guest, are you there? Can you hear us? Yes, I'm here. All right. Would you like to take it away and tell us all your name? <laughs> Excellent. So my name is Amanda Zito. Hello, everybody. I'm from Corvallis, Montana, and I currently live in Portland, Oregon. I work at Latest Motors, Harley Davidson, and Triumph. And I have five bikes. <laughs> yeah, man. I'd, I'd have five bikes, too, if I worked at a, at a awesome dealership, I think. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, basically, uh, let's jump out. And if anybody has followed my feed, and actually I think we've mentioned you before in our Instagram. We do some Instagram shout-outs at the end of the show every week. And I think I mentioned you on there because you embody the spirit of creative writing. You're a very, very, very creative writer. And uh, I th- I'm pretty sure we've shouted you out before, but if if you don't know on Instagram, uh, what is your what is your handle? My handle is blind thistle, blind as in can't see, and thistle as in the weed. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into. Uh, I want to get into that uh, a little bit later. But so a gr- you gave us already a great ten thousand foot view of you. You work at a, a dealership. I want to talk about mm-hmm. when that all came about. <laughs> and uh, your passions, your hobbies, I mean, everything is out there. You wear your, your heart and your, you know, your lifestyle on your sleeve, basically, because you, put, you post everything to social media and you have a really great website that we're going to direct people to later. But uh, right off the top of the bat, can you, or actually, I, I'm going to change that. I'm going to make it motor-related. Right off the starting line, can you tell us uh, <laughs> about like, what it is that you do like in your, I guess, in your spare time, if you have any? <laughs> Spare time is a luxury, I think. Um, right. So, so the gist is, is that uh, I do everything in my job that I also like to do in my free time. Um, so at latest, I do events. I do all of the graphics and marketing. Um, and uh, I do little videos every once in a while, which is super cool, which is also kind of what I do in my spare time. I do a lot of freelance work for um, motorcycle campouts and rides. Um and uh, making their event posters and that kind of stuff. And uh, I also have a little YouTube channel that I try to, like, make little videos for, but it's really just for fun. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, I just I really love social media. I love, uh, like, getting to know more of the motorcycle community that doesn't necessarily live close to me. And getting to meet those people at big events is really amazing. And <laughs> so... so- the way I found you is actually, it's so funny because I actually started following you a long time ago because I didn't have Instagram <laughs> and, you know, even before I had the podcast, I saw that as a magpie flies um, yeah. and I was kind of like, what is this? <laughs> and so I checked it out. I got really, really excited because um, I saw that you were, I mean, you do some pretty incredible drawings and you've taken some pretty incredible trips around the world. And I just thought, I want to do this. How do I do this? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I started, I started uh, following your stuff there. And so it's funny that a couple of years later when I started a podcast and, and, uh, you know, just found you on there again as, as Blind Thistle. And I'm going, wow, this is crazy. Um, you've got a lot of, you've done a lot of stuff over the past few years, even since when I very first became aware of you, of, uh, you know, your presence. And so can you give us a little background? Like how long have you actually been writing? Oh, oh gosh. Um, uh, so I, I'm not as impressive as some of the people that I have talked to. I haven't been writing since I was a kid. Um, I 
first, I bought my first motorcycle in 2011. Um, at the very tail end of 2011, I took the rider safety course in, in Montana in October. By the way, it's hella cold in October uh, in Montana. Yeah. I was just going to say that doesn't sound like a good time to yeah, take that's it. That's chilly. God, it's like 50 uh, here. I couldn't imagine what it's like in Montana. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, my grandfather actually promised me a bike when I was really, was really little. He promised me a bike and I kind of forgot about it cause I was super into horses. Um, growing up on a ranch in Montana, you know, <laughs> right, right. No, definitely. I, I kind of wanted to touch on that too. Like, you know, it's kind of a, I mean, you could say iron horse or whatever, you know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. it kind of really is right. Oh, yes, absolutely. So I um, I loved horses for my whole life, and um, we got a pair of Tennessee walkers when I was in high school, and I rode them every day. Uh, and when I moved to Portland in 2010 for art school, uh, I looked at trying to board my horses here, and the cost was like twice as much as it cost me for my apartment. Um, God dang. And so I was like, well, that's not really a reasonable kind of uh, expense at this point, especially being a poor art toolkit, you know? Right. Yeah. Starving, um, starving student and you have a horse. That doesn't, that doesn't add up. That's fuzzy math yeah. right there. <laughs> um, and so I remembered that my grandpa had promised me this bike and I was like living uh, half the time with him and half the time in the dorms. Um, and uh, he told me, okay, sure. But you just take this safety course first. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I'm so glad that I took the safety course. Um, I feel like anybody who is like going or is interested in starting writing, that is like the first thing that you should do. Um, absolutely. Cause I had a lot of fears to begin with and that course totally, like I was extremely confident by the end of it. Right. So is that what um, got you into it? Like you couldn't have your horse and you're like, Oh yeah, grandpa said I could have a bike. And he's like, go take the safety course. I mean, is that like kind of how you got started? Cause it sounds like you said you didn't yeah. ride as a kid. So. Yeah, yes, okay. absolutely. I mean, like, we had four-wheelers and that kind of stuff when I was a kid, but I also, I have four older brothers and a sister that liked to get in a lot of trouble, so we weren't really allowed, like, we didn't have motorcycles because my dad knew how much trouble they would get in with them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's a, a recent topic on the show with this uh, whole give-a-shift thing and trying to get new writers in is how to get new writers involved. So, yeah. you know, it's always good to hear... You know, it, it's funny because you're like, oh, it's not as interesting. I haven't been writing as I was, since I was a kid. And I'm <laughs> almost the same boat. I rode when I was a real little kid and then my parents got mm-hmm. divorced and like my dad actually quit riding for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to know like what, you know, what makes people get into it basically as an adult or later in life. Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah. I, def- I feel like horses are like a gateway drug. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, motorcycling. <laughs> you, you trans you transferred from iron horse or you know from from meat horse to iron horse. I think I have, yes. actually have an episode yeah. called that, like episode uh, four, <laughs> I think. But you know, when I was a little kid, I also uh, I rode horses, and just the you know having that um, what, what's the word I'm looking for having that like background and having the landscape to do it in and all that stuff just kind of to me kind of translates over really well actually to motorcycling oddly mm-hmm. enough totally totally yeah. different you actually have control of a motorcycle where a horse can just like <laughs> yeah, decide can do it <laughs> <once>. <laughs> <laughs> arguably about how well those horses train but yes yeah well yeah i got dumped a couple times when i was a kid but uh maybe that was just me <laughs> I mean, like, I, I broke my tailbone falling off of the back of it because that, but that was because I was being stubborn and I tried to ride a barrel racer without a saddle. So, oh, snap. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know what? Like, I've crashed motorcycles and horses now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> so, the the thing is to to get into motorcycling is get a grandpa, right? Get a grandpa that yeah, include, absolutely. Yeah, so that's pretty rad. Get a horse, get a grandpa, and then eventually <laughs> you'll end up on a bike. Um, and then you can say like, yeah, uh, meat horse soothes the body, iron horse soothes the soul or whatever those dumb sayings. Yeah, are. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I mean, I feel like the sensation of riding the horse and the sensation like that you feel inside like riding a motorcycle are very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like um, the certain, the freedom and like the, you have a certain control over a motorcycle, like a horse, like mm-hmm. it, it could decide to toss you or high side you, yeah. or, you know, I guess it's sort of, sort of similar. Um, now, I would ask you your horse's names, but, you know, this is the Creative Riding Motorcycle <laughs> Podcast, not the Creative Riding Equestrian Podcast. So I'm going to ask you uh, how many how many bikes you have, what they are, and then I know you they all have crazy, I, think, are they, I don't know if they're Greek or Latin. You, t- you tell me, but first, let's hear what you got. Let's, what's, in your, what's in your stable of motorcycles? Okay, we'll go from um, the first one that I got to the most recent. Um, awesome, that's a good good way to go. Uh, the first bike that I bought was a 1980 Suzuki GS850 GL because that's very important. <laughs> uh, and that stands for, is that Grand Luxury? Is that what that stands for? <laughs> I'm sure that Suzuki probably came up with something like that. Like, uh, so its name is Lazarus, um, and. Uh, uh, so sh- long story short, the first owner of that motorcycle was a preacher and he got into a wreck in it and broke his leg and decided that that meant God didn't want him riding anymore. Um, and he sold it to some other kid, which is who I bought it from. And he but rode God that God wants bike. you to sell it to some other kid so it can hurt them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, that kid rode it into the ground. I swear to God. He did no maintenance on it whatsoever. Um, he owned it for about a year and rode it from Missoula to Billings and back. Never changed the oil. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so Lazarus is actually, I mean, besides like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds uh, having an album called that or something. I mean, that's a, un- <laughs> that's a very unusual name. You didn't actually give it the name then. The guy did. Oh, oh yes, I did. I did. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, the, it had Jesus fish on the side of the tank from oh, the preacher. Oh, okay, okay. And I, I asked the guy before I left, I was like, does it have a name? And he's like, I don't know. I've just been calling it the Jesus bike. And <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I can't call it the Jesus bike. <laughs> hey, and, uh, I'm going to take the Jesus bike into town real quick. Uh, you guys <laughs> don't mind me. Um, and... Uh, like long story short, there was a lot of instances the first couple of months that I owned it that like it was like completely dead and, and it would only come back to life for me. Um, and so I kind of decided to name it Lazarus, like after the biblical story of Lazarus who comes back to life. Yeah, I'm gonna have um, to I'm gonna have to go back and read the Bible. I don't I don't remember that, but that's that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's a great uh, that's a great like backstory for a name, and not many bikes that I know named Lazarus. You know, that's- <laughs> right. <laughs> So Lazarus um, is a Suzuki Grand Luxury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, and the name has stuck really well because there's a lot of instances, like I learned how to rebuild carbs on that bike and she was dead for like a year, but she came back to life for me. And like, there's a lot of instances like that. Like the pilgrimage is filled with like her dying and like coming back to life again. And Man. Yeah. Like a... Uh, Get a grandpa and then get a crummy bike that will teach you, right? That'll teach you. Exactly. Like you, you not only learn the rules of the road, I feel like you learn the rules of engagement. Like 
working on you haven't really like lived until you've had to fix a car by yourself stranded out in the middle of nowhere and like yes. you know not even a trucker is going to pass you in like a week <laughs> so i we, firmly firmly believe that like any new rider should have at least one crummy bike and i like it doesn't matter how long they have it but they should at least have one crummy bike yeah they learn, my, like, whole, my whole thing is that like you should you should own like the reason that we should still have bikes that don't have ABS that are carbureted and that, Mm -hmm. you know, don't have the most perfect like electronics packages that you can buy nowadays (laughs) is because you need an experience like this. You know what I mean? Like you need to be able to fix a carb. You can't fix like a messed up transistor or something like that or a diode, but you can fix an old carb. You can learn something out. It's like, I guess I hate the book, but it's kind of like Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. You know what I mean? Like it's finding yourself and becoming one with the bike, which actually I'm going to, at the end of the interview, I would love to point people over to your writings and musings because you have (laughs) a very poetic way of talking about your relationships with your bikes. That is just pretty, pretty awesome. So thank you. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do that. Um, so what's, what, what's, uh, what comes up as number two in the lineup? So number two um, was a 2005 Honda Shadow 750 Spirit. Um, Mm. I did not buy this bike. Uh, My father traded a four-wheeler for it to give to me for when I graduated art school. Mm -hmm. Um, So I graduated art school. They showed up. My dad showed up with this bike. And, like, I was just completely floored. It was a cruiser, so totally different riding styles than the Suzuki. Um, And... I rode it on the block and I was in love with it. And its name is Hephaestus, um, right. which is the Greek god of uh, metal working and uh, smithing and that kind of stuff. And um, Hephaestus is also uh, crippled. Okay. Is that <laughs> uh, an indicator of the status of this bike? <laughs> um, so the bike runs, right? She works beautifully. Um, I did a crazy amount of miles on that bike, um, but she has a dent in her tank. Uh, the story of this dent is that my dad was unloading it off the trailer by himself and his knee gave out and it fell just right so that the oh. tank landed, landed on the wheel well. And like forever, when I first started riding this bike, like dudes would come up to me and be like, oh, there's a dent in the tank, must be too big for you. Yep, you dropped that sucker, didn't you? I'm like, actually. <laughs> yeah, listen up, jerkwad. Yeah. <laughs> Rad. But h- how's your dad's knee? Oh, my dad is awesome. My dad is a freaking ox, I swear to God. Right. He he just he got up and like reset it like Rambo. He's like psh, reset it himself and like <laughs> poured some whiskey on it and it was good. <laughs> like just for an example, my dad has a pinched spinal cord, right? And they thought that he would never walk again. Well he walks and he has a degenerative bone disease which is making his spine kind of seize together. Jeez. And, and he still does more work than any man that I have ever met. Right. He's all, I'm walking out of here. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Motorcycle fell on me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and Hephaestus is, yeah, that, I was going to say, I, I knew that that, I was pretty sure that one was Greek. So, yeah, you confirmed yeah. it there for me. So, that's, yeah, that's right. And you named that one too, obviously. You're, you've got a big yeah. thing for the Greek, uh, are, were these the muses? I don't know. I'm just talking, um, talking smack now. <laughs> The Greek gods, I yeah, I I was definitely one of those kids that had that like stereotypical obsession with Greek mythology growing up for sure. Rad, <laughs> uh, yeah. Living in Montana, you've got like good books and good Greek gods, and that's about all you know, I'll get you through the Montana winters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So that's number two down. That's, that's pr- number two. Pretty good. 
we only have eight more to go. What's number three? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, number three, uh, his name is Briarios. Right. That, sound, um, that sounds uh, Greek too. It is Greek. So Briarios Hecatoncharis was one of uh, the Greek titans with a hundred arms. Right. Uh, Chris, are you getting your like Greek lesson for the week yeah. here? <laughs> I'm keeping up. <laughs> I'm just realizing uh, how lame my bike names are now. But, it, <laughs> but at least my bikes have names. <laughs> Most of right. them, anyway. Mine didn't for a long time, and so uh, it wasn't until Chris came over that I gave my bike the name Spamela Anderson, which compared to like Briarios and Hephaestus is just like so lame. But if you, I liked. I mean, if you saw the bike, plus there's a spam sticker on it, yeah, it totally matches. It says spam on the side, so it kind of makes sense. Mine are <laughs> mostly, well, one super earned name. The yeah. other one is. I yeah, know. I know. I'm like, she's like going to the Greek gods for these things. Like, yeah. I went to spam for mine. Are are these names, you know, basically, do they match the defining character of the bikes or, or are they just, uh, were they impetus to like what your adventure was going to be? And then like, they let you down. Like we're, we'll find that out. <laughs> <soon>. <laughs> uh, I, I, li- I would like to think that most of their names are based on their character. Right, um, right. Okay, okay. Uh, Briarios also happens to be, oh God, you're going to, you're going to know how much of a geek I am now. Um, Briarios also is an anime character in the movie Appleseed. Oh, right. I haven't seen Appleseed in a hundred years, but yeah, I remember remember that. uh, And Briarios has to be some sort of like radical chopper, right? I mean, this sounds like some awesome, like (laughs) custom painted... Oh, wait, don't tell me it's a... Oh, you're going to be so disappointed. Don't tell me it's a CX-500. It's the CB-500X, yes. Oh, my God. That's what I meant, the CB-500X. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a four-cylinder? Uh, so yeah. No, it's, it's a twin. 2016 yeah. Honda CB-500X. Yeah, so uh, those, those things are like... They're, they're Honda's version of the V-Strom, sort of. Except sort for the, of, yeah. Yeah, because they still they have the little beak. They have some rad tire, like, the, well, they have some rad graphics like they got ran over by a farm tractor. <laughs> yes, on the side. and uh, that was part of the reason I ended up with that one because I have, I have tire tracks tattooed on the bottom of my feet. Oh, no um, kidding. That's rad. <laughs> and uh, we saw it in the shop. I went to go look at the, the Africa Twin. That's what I wanted. And uh, even with the low, don't like, tell me they, don't tell me they talked you out of the Africa Twin. No, they didn't talk me out of the Africa Twin. Like my confidence level talked me out of the Africa right. Twin. Or the price tag; those are two right extremely too. different like, price points. Yeah. The CB is like literally half of the price of the Africa Twin. Yeah, you know, my inseam talked me out of an Africa Twin too because <laughs> I, I literally yes. would have to jump up onto the seat or like carry a step stool everywhere with me. Like even with the lowering lowering kit on it, like I could maybe tiptoe one foot. So hey, real quick before we get on to the rest of your your uh, your bikes there, and these all run right. I mean, I can't believe that they all run. So Lazarus is in pieces in my garage right oh now. My God. Oh man, her oil leak finally got. So bad that I couldn't justify continuing to ride her. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that one's the Suzuki, right? That's the Suzuki. That's my yeah. first bike. Okay. Um, that's the one that I have like the best connection with. Um, yeah. Uh, Wait, hey, don't, well, you, you just, don't you work at a Triumph dealership? Usually, like, yeah. Leaking bike. Do tri- work you're at used a to that. Dealership. <laughs> yeah. and, and Harley, right? Lattice. So, so and the, Harley. 
so the leaking factor should just be like cool. Yeah, you just know? park it on the showroom floor. <laughs> I did. I did take Lazarus to the world, the worst bike show over the summer, and I was like a pretty close like runner up. It's just like I, I'm also like a member of the dealership, so I couldn't be in the competition. But like everybody was staring at her, being like, "Oh my god, that yeah. runs!" This one, oh yeah, <laughs> my god, yeah. So before we move on to the to the rest of them. Um, what is the weather like up there right now? Cause is it cold? I mean, is it perfect time? Is it perfect bike rebuilding weather up there? Uh, so my garage isn't heated. Mm. <laughs> so negative, negative on that. <laughs> uh, it is getting better though. Today was a really beautiful day, but, uh, Portland weather in the spring is really unpredictable. It could be like beautiful and clear and like 65 degrees. And the next day it's going to be raining and yeah. it might be 48. I don't, you know, <laughs> Yeah, kind of sounds like the <laughs> South too. Like my where my family's from is like that. Like you don't know, is it going to be a tornado or is it going to be super sunny today? Um, yeah, yeah, it's been like kind of hot here. I think we're going into another drought here. Um, oh man. Yeah. What about over in Montana? Is it like freezing cold? Over I mean, you, it's funny because it's not a very far drive, right? It's like from L.A. to Vegas. It's about, or, it's about 500 miles um, from my house to oh, okay. my other house. Okay. Right. That's not too bad though. How'd you live in large? You got eight, eight, eight motorcycles, two houses. I'm loving this story. So let's move on. You got I, you've only got we're down, we've got eight eight or nine to go. So uh, we're down we're down three. We have two more to go. Okay. Whew. <laughs> uh so the next one is a much shorter story. Uh the uh, the next one is a nineteen seventy two C D one seventy five. Um rad. Uh, that basically lived in one of our fields for God knows how long. And eventually I was like, hey, Dad, does anybody own that? And he's like, no, nah, not really. And I'm like, can I take that home with me? And he's not like, really. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting way to phrase that. Usually that's also like a yes or no question to me. And to get a not really is kind of a, how did that end up working out for you? Uh, so it's in pieces. I think at some point my brothers decided that they wanted to be motorcycle mechanics maybe, um, and stripped a lot of parts off of it. Mm. So it's missing, it's missing a lot of stuff. Um, so it's living in my shed right now and I call it my slow project. Uh, but it's named. Yeah. I it's, think we, I think every, every true motorcyclist probably has one of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's name and true, uh, opposite faction is, uh, Paul Bunyan. well i think i got babe the blue ox out in a tree out in my backyard maybe one day they can can hook up yeah yeah (laughs) that's rad and so the the fact that it's kind of nobody's and that you kind of just found it in a field you i mean that's a score man that's like not even a barn find that's a field like your dad's plowing the field (laughs) and like this tire pops out or something (laughs) what's this rip a bike right out of the ground I mean, growing growing up, we had a lot of vehicles on our property, and most right. of them weren't ours. Like people would like be like, "Well, it's not working right now, but I want to fix it. Can I just leave it uh, like in your field for a little bit, and I'll come back and get it?" And they never come back and get yeah. it. Yeah, that's like um, that's similar to Arkansas. Like, there's not really junkyards, and there's not even like dumps <laughs> or salvage yards. So when something quits working, it's usually out there disintegrating where it quit running you know what I mean? so like those <laughs> yes. tractors random pickup trucks old camper shells like 
Yeah, there's out in the woods you might find a tree. Like my my uncle has a tree growing through his old like seventy two <laughs> Chevy or whatever the heck it was because oh that's my where God. that's where he parked it and the tree grew <laughs> through it one day and now it's like a yard ornament. So it's it's pretty interesting. <laughs> so that's cool to find a motorbike that might actually be able to, you know, come alive one day. That's gonna be one hell yeah. of a hell of a ride. Like the first uh first wheelie you do on that thing is gonna be just so <laughs> rad. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really excited about it. It's like definitely a slow burn, but uh, yeah, yeah big, biggest project that I've ever taken on, hence Paul, Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Um, big man, then, big man, big project, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, last but not least brings us to uh, the bike that I got in November. Um, it is a 2016 uh, Triumph Tiger 800 XC. God. You're just, you've got like one of everything that's like you've got a street bike, you've got a cruiser, you have you know Paul Bunyan, and then you've got like a, a tri- you got the you got the the uh, I'm gonna say that the CB500X kind of kind of covers like the sport touring slash adventure like that's yeah. a, that's a double one so you you kind of because the Triumph is definitely way more like ADV ADV yeah. oh yeah I would oh, yeah. say ADV bro because. You're the first lady I've heard that uh, has one of those. So that's actually kind of cool. Do you, do you get like a lot of like, you know, guys pulling up and then they're like, oh, oh, hey, <laughs> you know? Uh, when my hair was a lot shorter, I definitely had that problem, even on the CB. Uh, right. Like, I have the opposite like, problem. Yeah. Chris has super long hair. So people are like, dang, look at that hot chick on that bike. And then they pull up and his, they see his beard hanging out. And they're like, she needs to shave. And they pull away. <laughs> I definitely, I got a lot of people when I first started running the CD being like, you're doing that on that bike? Because I really haven't done anything to that bike besides like put shorty levers on it and mm-hmm. kind of switch out the tires. Um, right. And I followed like the first off-road trip that I did on that bike. I followed PNW Dual Sport around Mount Hood. Um, and like that whole group was like everybody on like little like like CRS 250s and I think there was a, like two people on big BMWs in that group um, definitely way more built for that than the CB was right. and I did I did everything that they did so rad I know like the 80 like you went with like a legit ADV crew there was probably some like KTMs and like BMWs mm-hmm. and all this stuff and then you cruising around on that thing were you the only yeah. CB 500 on that I was the only CB 500 yeah. and at that point I still had street tires hence like oh there's a bunch God. of a bunch of people in the PNW dual sport group that like my name is dual like is street tires. Yeah, they're all hey, remember street tires? Remember how she was going? She was going on some dirt with that stuff. Yeah, it it, it can be kind of freaky. Like I, I've taken more than one bike off road that was not meant to go off road, and yes, yeah. it's, it can be tires. It's so funny because the little patches, I mean, the little, if you measure the square inches that actually touch the ground, it makes a big difference Mm -hmm. what you have like hooked up on there. So yeah, that's really kind of cool. And what made you want to go, I mean, what made you want to get this tiger? You know what I mean? Is it, was it actually, (laughs) was it part of your work or what? Um, so it was, it kind of became, it was kind of a fluke in all honesty. Like I wasn't really looking for a new bike. I've been trying to pay down my debt, um, and I was like, there's no way that I can, like, add on, like, a bike payment to all of this right now. And uh, Eagle Rider recently sold all, all of their Triumphs because they had to re-up their deal with Harley so they could only rent Harley bikes. Um, so we bought all of their Tiger stock. Mm-hmm. And this 
and this XC came in like in the worst condition. Uh, like the, uh, the both the hand levers were broken, um, the hand guards were just like falling off, and there was a uh, rubber wine cork in the oil plug. <laughs> what? That sounds like a quick trail fix. To, to, and I'm like, sounds like it probably works pretty well, though. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm like, this bike is like calling my name, but I can't have it. I can't have it. And but, eventually, our, our GM talked me into it. Yeah, I was gonna say a weird way to get out of debt by buying another bike, but your strategy <laughs> seems to have worked. I'm I'm really impressed. <laughs> but to put it in equestrian terms, this thing was ridden hard and put away wet, literally. Yeah. Like, and I mean, those things call to me. You know, I just can't. Yeah. You're like, I found a bike in a field that's in pieces. I'm gonna put it together. This triumph came in with it needed love. You're you're like the the fixer upper. Uh, you know, sometimes I wish I would have got into drugs because it probably would have been cheaper. Right. I know. Yes. Exactly. Uh, and to have five, well, four running bikes. Well, let's yeah. three. You know, actually, yeah. yeah you're. Well, yeah, she's got one that runs good, and one that runs kind of good, and then one that runs sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's the real motorcyclist. Uh, uh, what's the the, equi- the ratio right there? She's getting real now because yeah, nobody has like except for stinking one guy I know up in in uh, Wisconsin has is like five for five or four for four, and I'm like, you're the only dude that has more than one motorcycle where they all run. So, yeah, no. that's impressive. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, the only reason I have more than one is so I have one that runs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is like totally yes. Yeah. So, which one have you been spending the most time on lately? Um. So between the CB and the Tiger, I'm like I've been fifty fifty lately. Right. Um. I mean, I took the I took the Tiger to Baja. Oh, I forgot to tell you its name. Oh yeah. What, oh yeah. yeah. God. What what Greek uh, <laughs> what, what Greek tiger animal is that? Yeah. So I don't know if you've seen pictures of this tiger, but it's like so majestic. <laughs> I have. Yeah, I actually have. It's kind of like a whitish. Is it what color is it's, that? It's black. It's all black. Wait a and minute. It's the only like bike that I own that's all black. I was uh, like, it's white. What an idiot! That's I swear, Carl's I s- bike. Oh. I, I take a lot of I take a lot of pictures of Carl's bike. So at least it matches all the Harleys at work. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so I had to come up with a very majestic name for this majestic bike. Uh, so his name is Astraeus. Okay, and that almost sounds like a Treyu, but I know that it's not. But that does sound Greek to me. I thought she was gonna say Steve. (laughs) She's like, I need to think of the most majestic name for this. It's a yeah, Steve. Yeah, I'm gonna. So Astraeus is a Greek Titan. Yes. Okay. So we are saying Greek here. Yeah. What did you say, a Treyu? Yeah, that's what I said. It sounded sound, sound like a Treyu a little bit, but Astraeus, right? Yeah, Astraeus. And uh, Astraeus is the Greek titan of the dawn and dusk and sky. Right. Mm. It's probably where we get the word astros and astral and, yeah. and all that great stuff. Yeah. Man, that is awesome. And I love that I was like, oh, it was it's white. And you're like, no, it's black. I probably could have been like, <laughs> it's a 1200. You're like, no, it's an 800. <laughs> Let's just go down that road. I love, I, I make, I do that to my wife all the time. Like I told, I say the exact opposite of what it really is. If it's over 300, he gets confused anyway. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I love little bikes. Uh, I'm I'm so stoked for Paul Bunyan for for you. I mean, I'm like, so happy I love for you. my I love my 500. I am so excited about getting that 175 like hooked up and running because I want a pit bike for events so bad. Pit bike? I'm thinking like state to state commuter. Yeah, <laughs> a 175 CB is not really like a little pit bike, is it? 
But we're talking about like rock mountain roll, and I have forty acres, man. Yeah, yeah I'm just thinking like that bike's got like nineteen Dude, or nineteen and eighteen yeah. inch wheels she, on it. Like it's a full size bike kind of yeah on her well for 1970 that was like a yeah, commuter bike a, but when yeah, she's got yeah. when she's got some acreage like she's got yeah 50 cc isn't gonna get you more than like 100 <laughs> yards probably <laughs> so out of all these five which one are you looking most and which one are you planning on sinking the most money into you know like which one do you want to like pimp out the most if you could if you could close your eyes and and uh I forget the dude's name, but the guy from Pimp My Ride would just show up at your house and uh, all of a sudden you'd have like this, you know, just banging new bike <laughs> with all the kit on it. Which one would it be? Uh, um, so I really, I would like to put enough money into Lazarus to make her run reliable, but I know that'll never happen. <laughs> right. Um, that one's the, that one's the Suzuki, right? That, that yes. one's going to take about $16,000. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> what I, what I understand about old Japanese motorcycles, if you want it to run reliable, it's, you got to put a Honda in it. <laughs> You gotta unscrew the gas cap and drive a Honda under it and screw yeah. it back on, yeah. right? Oh, I mean, there's a reason that I have three Hondas now, you know. I kind of want to get into your creative side here. I kind of want to segue n- not away from motorcycles because obviously that would that would be like away from your I art. Don't think- that you can separate my art and motorcycles. No, absolutely point. not. And, and the stuff that you do is, um, I, I, I want to give you my opinion of it later, but <laughs> let's, let's, um, segue through your hobbies, like go from motorcycling into like, what do you do in your spare time when you're not doing art, when you're not doing motorcycling? I'm assuming that in Portland, you do a lot of coffee drinking and beanie buying, but that could just be like a sort of a, uh, you know, cult- <laughs> culturist view that I have from SoCal. I actually think I will, if you go to CC, re- you can do them both at the same time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I will reemphasize that I am a Montanan born and bred. Right. So. I know. I read that you love a little bit of redneck, which I totally love and respect. Because- I am all redneck. You don't even know. Right. <laughs> I would say uh, we get along well, but I also moved out of Indiana for a lot of reasons. So maybe we wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm a rare breed of redneck because most of the rednecks that I'm friends with don't like computers, don't like the techie stuff. But I love computers and I love my camera and... I grew up in Indiana, so like I love owning guns, but I also think gay people should be able to get married, and that's yes. You know what I mean? It's yes. just like it's such a rare point of view to like. Be, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, like, I feel like the, eventually the um, the kind of mentality around it is slowly changing. Um, oh, for there sure. There were a lot of kids that like I came out with in high school, and um, it definitely wasn't as bad as like from stories from my older siblings, what it would have been like for us if we had come out in high school, like when they were going to school. Yeah. Um, so like it's changing, it's slow, but it's good. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely like a, a location and a generation thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Bozeman is really a really good example of that. Like being done well in Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, there are like a lot of really open-minded people in Bozeman because it's a college town, but mm-hmm. like there is also like a very deep-seated like, um, a, for lack of a better term, cowboyism. Right. <laughs> um, right. And there's a. I mean, yeah. I think just it is 2018. Come on, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. for reals. I I know plenty of gay cowboys that like you could be both. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. You, you don't have to give up the lassos and the guns or the you know the trade. Actually, you know. 
All right, everybody, it's coming up on an hour. While we talk about gay cowboys and shooting stuff and all the fun stuff that we talked about, we're going to take a brief intermission. We're going to hear an announcement, and we're going to get back to talking to Amanda Zitto. Stick around. Hey, listeners. This is Narissa from the Milwaukee Rivets, a riding group of young women based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I wanted to tell you all about a rad event we're hosting in Milwaukee with Fuel Cafe for the Mama Tried weekend. If you don't know, Mama Tried is an annual custom motorcycle show that takes place here in Milwaukee at the end of February. Moto enthusiasts from all over come together to share their passion for everything two wheels. In addition to the show, there are indoor flat track races, ice races, and so much more. The whole weekend is a total riot. On Thursday, February 22nd, we're teaming up with Fuel Cafe to kick off the festivities. Starting at 6 p.m., there will be DJ spinning, drink specials, special bike parking for anyone willing to breathe the cold, and swag bags for the first 50 people who show up. If you're planning to come to Milwaukee for Mama Tried, make sure you get here by Thursday so you don't miss this kick-ass event. Again, it's the Mama Tried pre-party. Thursday, February 22nd at Fuel Cafe 5th Street. You can find more information on Instagram or Facebook by searching for either Fuel Cafe or the Milwaukee Rivets. See you all there. Hey, this is Liza from the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast here in sunny Santa Cruz, California. And when I have nothing better to do, I listen to the Creative Writing Podcast. All right, everybody, we're going to jump back into our conversation with Amanda Zitto and talk to her about the differences between living in Portland versus Montana. I mean, in Portland, it's probably great, but when you go back to Montana, is it, like, a little crazy? Um, so our, our family's ranch is about 10 miles outside of town, and in all honesty, like, I don't go into town a whole lot when I go home. I spend a lot of time on the ranch. I spend a lot of time hanging out with my parents because um, I miss them so much when I'm gone, and my brother, Gary, um, and, uh, like, the cows and my horses. And right. I spend a lot of time on the ranch when I'm home, like, and I don't get into town as often. Um, After spending like a week in Portland, I would just love to go chill on a ranch. Like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I love Portland. I mean, Portland, I've only been there one time, but I told my wife, I was like, you know what? I would move here. Like this place is pretty cool, except (laughs) for the fact that, yeah, like the rain and stuff. I mean, that's, that's the (laughs) SoCal part of me. That's like, you know, this this 80 degree weather we're having is like nobody else is having it right now but i really liked it but i was only there for like a short time mm-hmm. but i think yeah you know, yeah i feel like portland is a really great place to visit um it was a really great place to go to school uh and i think the thing that most people don't think about is that i we literally don't see the sky for like five months <laughs> of the year yeah but you, I think too with Portland, and I, I could be wrong about this, but I would think you could get a pretty, not necessarily a ranch, but you could get a, a home with some good amount of land 10 miles out of town. And you could yeah, be. Yeah, like if, 
basically in the middle of nowhere, you could have dirt bike or EDV trails in literally in your backyard. And then you could cruise into Portland and have the benefits of that city too. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you head a bit outside of town, like down, like Malala area is really beautiful. Um, and like outside, uh, like in wine country on the other side. And when you cross um, into Washington, it, it gets ruled pretty quick. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I know, I know quite a few people who actually I work with that now live in Washington. Yeah. Um, Rad. And I'm and <clears throat> Castle Rock is probably my favorite town ever. Because of yeah, the flat track there. Yeah. Well, it's like this little like one stoplight town and we all roll in like all these like crazy Portland people and then everyone from all over the country and we make a loud ruckus like <laughs> yeah. all weekend long and they do not care. Yeah. Yeah. Like they just they showed up to the party last year to like party just to like see the cops, yeah. like, just to see what was going on. Like we bring in so much and it's one of like you know, you see special events in big towns and they don't care about the money that's coming in and little Castle yeah. Rock is pumped. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it changes the way that they live so drastically. Mm-hmm. Like, that pump is amazing because in the wintertime, those little towns are dead, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of the game here, but I do have to say that speaking of getting out of town and like <laughs> having a lot of property and like building a motorbike, like you, what did you say? Track or trail, but maybe building <laughs> something called the, uh, the Rocky mountain roll or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I know I'm, I know I'm, this is like insider info, but let's talk about that for a second. You actually, yeah. you actually do have uh, quite a bit of land with which yeah. to do something cool motorcycle related on. And you do. So uh, can you walk us through that real quick? Uh, So Rocky Mountain Roll was kind of created because I wanted to have a party when I finished the pilgrimage. um, And it kind of became a bigger thing. Um, And we had, we named it Rocky Mountain Roll because yeah, Rocky Mountains. Yes. Uh, And (laughs) I was like, Hey mom and dad, can I have some people in this field, you know, for the weekend? And they're like, um, okay, you have to cover insurance, but sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, what does that even mean? <laughs> uh, and like my mo- like the first year was amazing. There was like we sold uh, like forty tickets, so just to, over enough to cover the insurance, and like seventeen people showed up, mm. and it was the best shit ever like well, my mom thank you 23 checked. for buying a ticket and not showing up yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it was it was really cool uh, like uh and well part of that was because i told everybody that i wasn't going to do it again if we couldn't cover the insurance this time so i know there was a lot of people who chipped in money to make sure that we could cover the insurance to make it happen so that i could do it again which was really amazing right um, what does that mean cover the insurance do you have to have insurance to have more than a certain amount of people over to your house so the insurance that we get, uh, we have to have property insurance, um, and that covers the whole property. Um, if anything gets damaged, um, if like right. the, you know what happens uh, when motorcyclists get together, they go they yeah. go crazy, they start burning yep. stuff and smoking weed and drinking beer, and, <laughs> right? Like blowing things up. Yeah. I've, I've seen the movies. I know what happens. Yeah, and then uh, we have to have special event insurance for the weekend um, that covers us in the case that anybody gets an accident on our property or. 
God forbid, if somebody like drove their bike through my house or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> or evil, evil Knievel shows up and yeah, decides he's gonna gonna jump over the family uh, barn or something. I didn't yeah. think. I actually didn't think of that. I mean, this is good yeah. stuff to know because. I would have never have guessed that I need special event insurance and property insurance to have, you know, some hooligans over at my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, and we, we, like, we wanted to do it right the first time and just have our butts covered, you know. And, I mean, everybody signs a liability, a waiver when they get on the property that says, we all understand that we might die. It's cool. We won't see you. <laughs> right, yeah. You're, you're, I just found a bike called Paul Bunyan out in the field. Who knows how long it's been there? No guarantees I'm ever going to find you if you go missing on this property. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and I mean, we also, my mom checks everybody in at the gate and, you know, like gives, gives the fear of God, puts every, put in there, into everybody. So, right, uh, right. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, and last year we had 75 people show up. So like drastically, like over doubled the amount of attendees. Um, and right. it was just, it was a blast. Um, and this is like the most redneck, like grassroots shit that you could think of. Like I don't have organized games or like no food vendors come out. Um, right. No taco trucks or slow, slow <laughs> races. None of that stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. we, we literally came up in a field that was a cow pasture. So you have to shovel shit to put your tent up. Right. I have to do that uh, most of the places I camp anyway, though. <laughs> <laughs> and, like we have a really great raffle because like for some reason people keep sponsoring us every year, which is super cool. <laughs> right. I know. I, I actually did see some of the, the flyer was beautifully done and the, sp- yeah. the logos at the bottom. I was like, wow, you guys, you had like over a handful of sponsors. I mean, there was like a, yeah. a few on there. So I, I was pretty impressed. That, like, and you know what it does? It looks, it looks like basically my family reunion, a bunch of rednecks hanging out <laughs> in a field uh, barbecuing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, looked, it-, it looked like really low key fun. Really? Yeah. Like, Everybody, everybody is there for the ride to get there. Really, yeah. I was going to uh, say for seventy-five people to show up. I don't. Are there that many motorcyclists in Montana? Or are you getting people from like Wyoming no, and, and, like, and Idaho and all that? We have people from Canada. We have people from like LA. Oh my we have god! People from Pennsylvania, Tennessee. Um, like we have people from all over the goddamn place, and it's amazing. And no, like there's always one bad batch out of the group, but like for the most part, everybody's amazing. Everybody gets to hang out with each other. Like everybody makes new friends. It, it's so cool. Yeah. When does this go down every year in case we have some listeners that want to show up? It is always the last weekend of July. Oh man. Um, what be- is it beautiful in Montana at that time? How many it days would it take you to get down to 250? in Montana at, at that time. It is hot as Hell, that's why we're doing the moto float this year. <laughs> right. The, a lot of people don't realize the humidity too. Like in the mid in the Midwest, there's no ocean breezes coming through, so the humidity yeah, really no. picks up. Yeah, and well, in Montana, where uh, our elevation is higher because we're right next to the Rockies, um, so our our house is right between the Rockies and the Sapphires in western Montana, and um, sounds so beautiful. we don't have as much humidity as we do here in Portland. Good, um, good. <laughs> yeah and no um, no mosquitoes either right uh that depends on where you're at oh <laughs> and, and no ticks 
Uh, no, text as long as you're not going up the Sapphire side. The Sapphire side has text pretty bad. Right. Um, but, like, you check it. It's not a big deal. I think I had, like, two ticks my whole life living over there. So. Wow. That's amazing. I get two mm-hmm. ticks just waking up in the morning in Arkansas. <laughs> Every morning you wake up with two. Uh, that's rad. That's beautiful. That sounds like a lot of fun. So uh, I'm going to pump that if anybody the last weekend in July. And and you got to check out the flyers. Speaking of the flyers yeah. and speaking of like the natural beauty that you surrounded yourself with, um, yeah. how did you go from like this crazy ranch in Montana to wanting to do art? <laughs> Uh, so when I was a really little kid, like in kindergarten, they asked me what I wanted to be. And I said a stripper. Right. And they were like, that's, that's not really appropriate, honey. And you were like, (laughs) how much money they make in a night? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I want to be a jockey because horses, you know. Wait, why did you want to be a stripper? That's interesting. Like, that's kind of a weird, I've never met anybody. Isn't that that a weird thing? Yeah. For a little kid to say stripper, that's just, it's funny. Uh, How did you think of that? I spent a lot of time naked when I was a kid. Oh, man. You're just like, I just want to do this all the time and get paid for it. Exactly. I was like, I like being naked. I like dancing. That that uh, sounds like this. Definitely. I was going to say, if you check out her videos, every single one has some dancing in it. So I know know you love dancing around. Uh, so that's for sure. Being naked and dancing, there's nothing wrong with that. And people get paid right. pretty good money for it. So that I if see I could it. make that much money in a night, I wouldn't bother me at all. I know. I, I see where your ambitions were going, but that's kind of sad. So, so they said, honey, that's, you know, that they, that's, that's, and, that's not, that's not appropriate. Right. So they turned you away from one dream into another. <laughs> to your yeah, other dream. So I was like, well, I mean, I guess I could be a jockey. And like, that was like, I dream all the way throughout primary school. And then I got to fifth grade and this girl moved up from California. That was when we got a big influx of uh, Californians that moved to Montana. Oh boy. And this gal was like, um, no, you're too fat to be a jockey. Oh, what? <laughs> Just like crushed my dreams. I came home crying and I told mom what had happened. And she's like, well, honey, you are kind of big to be a jockey. My six, my six month old baby's too fat to be a jockey. Though. Yeah, I know. Well, and your your baby's too tall. I actually went. Yeah. I went to a bar when my I one of my friends from San Diego come up came up here, and I lived. Turdman's like perfect size to be a dude, jockey. Dude, I'm totally perfect. I'm like two feet tall, except for that I'm 400 pounds. I'm I really I, I'm like a dwarf star. Like I hold it weird. But I took my friend to this bar up here, and there were you know I, I live close to Santa Anita Racetrack, and so there's a bunch of jockeys all around these bars, and so it's just so funny seeing how little they are in person you yeah. know what i mean it's like yeah. when you meet a basketball player in person you're like holy crap yeah, he was like the like, skyscraper uh, right and these jockeys are like ewoks running around it's so funny so yeah, you know what my, by that point i was already like five five um, oh yeah you're you were like five inches too tall to be a jockey anyway yeah so. exactly like my mom's like you're gonna be too tall <laughs> oh man so so plan a stripper Plan yeah. <laughs> Plan B jockey and Plan B is now getting thrown out the door. Did you turn yeah. to art as a last resort? <laughs> yeah. So my older brother Gary, um, the closest one in the lineup, because I'm one, I'm the last one out of six kids. Oh boy, your parent, you're um, like the, um, you're like Loretta Lynn, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Six kids and I will accept that compliment. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think her family had like 16 kids, but still. Yeah, I, you think, know. I think her family was a lot bigger yeah, than mine. Yeah, six is, that's a pretty good, 
good size. You you guys need all that land to like, raise all the kids. <laughs> Uh, my dad's goal in life was to have enough kids to have his own baseball team. So <sighs> he was a couple you know. short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so my my closest brother Gary, who was still six years older than me, um, is was like a fantastic artist. And I used to, when in primary school, I used to make him teach me what he was learning in high school. Mm. Um, so like I learned basic shapes and uh, shading and contrast and all that bullshit like at a very young age. Um, and I really liked drawing, um, but I didn't think that that was like a job, you know, and, uh, stripper it, is a job <laughs> doing all this drawing crap, not a job. <laughs> <laughs> and so like when I got told I could be a doctor and I was like, well, I, I guess like the only thing left to me is drawing. I <laughs> right. That's, dude, that's, that's such a circuitous way of getting to artist and like how you made your, you know, your living and went to school for that is so funny. When you, did your art teachers ever ask you, so, you know, who here wanted, you know, what did you want to be? What do you want to do when you get, and you're like, dude, I really, I really wanted to be a stripper. And then when that got shot down, I, I really wanted to be a jockey. So I'm just kind of in here, dude, like just shut up and teach me. <laughs> dude, that's so good. <laughs> You know what's funny is that we've had plenty of artists on the show and everyone says, I love, you know, I loved drawing when I was a kid, blah, 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 blah. No one has ever said, I wanted to be a stripper that got shot down. So I turned to art as a last resort. I think this is like the best like artist story that I've heard. I don't know. I bet if we asked Nate, he really wanted to be a stripper. Too. Yeah, we're going to have to ask Nate. His mom told him he was too big to be a jockey too, I bet. <laughs> Oh my God! So yeah, so you 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 changed your lifestyle one hundred degree one hundred and eighty degrees. You did an about face on this ranch stripping <laughs> jockey life and went to. That's another. Are there many strip clubs in that part of Wyoming? Yeah, you know what? You like, might could you even find an employment? <laughs> Maybe your parents there, were. There are two strip clubs in Missoula. Oh I have my God, <laughs> that's one more than my hometown. I was gonna and say I, I don't live in a small town. Yeah, I was gonna or say I didn't grow up your, in a small town. Your parents are probably looking out for you. They're like, no, she's. It's gonna be tough competition. There's only yeah. two in the state. Are you kidding me? She's gonna have her heart cracked so, if she doesn't get hired at one. When you moved to Portland, were they like secretly worried that you were living out your first dream? <laughs> No, I don't. I, I'm sure they probably forgot about it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, your dad never forgot. Yeah, yeah. Dads don't forget stuff like that. So that's rad. So, so you moved all the way. I mean, you turned to art. Gary mm -hmm. helped you. I mean, let's yeah. let's face it. Grandpa helped yeah. you get into writing. Gary helped you get into the art. The two G's yeah. that you needed in your life. Yeah, yeah. Got you on the right path here. And so now you start. You know, you 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 got into it enough to where you want to move 500 miles away to to do it. I mean, that's a pretty mm -hmm. big that's a pretty big step. I mean, I was kind of cheating. I I wanted to, I like I, if I could have, I would have stayed um, in Montana. I would have gone to the U of M because it was only an hour away from my house. Um, but like an art degree from the U of M is like literally a bachelor's in science. It's not even fine art. Right. And I was like, if I'm gonna do the thing, I'm gonna do the thing. Right. And uh, Gary and my grandpa like already lived in Portland, um, so I didn't feel quite so much like I had to start all the way over. Um, right. Uh, so I had grandpa like as a starting point. So I moved in August before the semester started, so that I could like get used to the city. And I had a terrible time the first month that I moved here. It's like I couldn't sleep at all because of the noise. Um, right. 
You're like, like Montana, I heard the wind. Here I just can't. <laughs> I hear like people screaming for drugs outside and fights and sirens. I know how Portland is. It's a bitchin' city, but there is like a lot of like it's it's like New York of the Pacific Northwest. It never yeah. it never I mean, sleeps. Like, so the first week that I moved here, somebody got shot in the head like a block down from where my grandpa's house was. Awesome. And I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Hey, to be fair, like in Montana, back in the Western days, that probably happened plenty, (laughs) but I mean, we're talking like 150 years prior. So it's a little, it is a little different. Yeah. We live in LA. That's like once a week. Yeah. Yeah, Right. (laughs) Uh, And when we moved, I moved in the dorms in Goose Hollow and it's right next to the freeway and it just got worse. So like the first semester that I was going to art school, I would come home, I would do my homework and then I would get in my car and I would drive an hour outside of town so I could sleep in my car and then no. I would drive back oh I would God. drive back in the next morning and go to school. Oh my God, dude. That is you're like Van Gogh at this point. You're like <laughs> tortured, not sleeping, like out of your element, going to drastic extremes just to get like some inner peace. Like this is nuts, man. <laughs> Uh, and my my papa gave me uh, that 1992 uh, Oldsmobile Sierra Cutlass right okay. when I gradu- when I graduated high school, and I like I moved to Portland in it, and um, and this I think it had maybe like 130,000 miles on it when I first started driving it, and by the time that I was finished with it, like two years later, it had 250,000 miles on it. Um, yeah, and you did a bit of traveling in that thing. <laughs> yeah. I like from, from just from like going outside of town so I could sleep. But then again, like I would get really restless in, in the city. Like I got to this point where like, I felt really pent up. I would get really anxious. I would snap at people a lot. And eventually I like, I would just go home. The first time I did it, I like, I couldn't sleep. It was midnight and I just got fed up. I threw everything in my car and I drove all the way home. So she took about a 500 some odd mile trip back home. And right now we're going to talk about sexism, writing, and in about seven minutes, some boobs. It sounds, it sounds kind of backwards. You think rural area, like everybody is super old school, but I have never experienced the amount of sexism that I have in Portland. Right. Um, like ever in Montana. Like, hmm, and most of the, most of the time when I get comments from people in Montana, they're not Montanans. There's somebody from somewhere else that yeah. like are traveling through Montana. Um, I like, I broke down in the middle of nowhere in Lewistown, Montana, and the truck driver made no comments about the fact that I was traveling by myself or that I went up the top of this mountain on a street bike. He's <laughs> never made any comments about it whatsoever. Yeah. He didn't like, he didn't scoff about the fact that I was going to work on my bike myself, like at all. Right. Um, I, this is, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I was thinking about it earlier about how, in a way, because in Arkansas, a lot is the same way. The women there, and not to be like sexist <laughs> or generalized either, but the women there are a hell of a lot tougher and do a lot. They, they used to have to do a lot more stuff. And this kind of goes back to like the days when the men went out and hunted or worked mm-hmm. in the fields. But mm-hmm. when they were doing that, the ladies were doing a lot of what the guys do nowadays mm-hmm. back at home when, whether that was like, you know, cutting wood and do, I mean, they had to be self-sufficient, you know what I mean? So they were a lot tougher and the guys never gave them any guff. They were like, they were more like partners than they were like man and woman of the house. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so yeah. I, I kind of feel like in these rural 
old, what you would consider like backwards places, the mm-hmm. chivalry that kind of seems like it is sexist isn't really sexist. It's more of like a respect yeah. thing. Like yeah. I know, I know how capable you are because generations of you have lived out here nearly uh, devoid of any other humans while I'm out doing like my <laughs> thing, hunting and trapping and doing all the crap, you know what I mean? Or like cutting down yeah. lumber or whatever. And when we meet up, it's like these two powerful forces, you know, like I, yeah. you get a lot more respect, I think from people that are a little bit more old school and know what people had to be capable of back, you know, in the day. So yeah. it is, yeah. it's, it is kind of an interesting, uh, paradox, parallax, parado- parallax, par- paradox, par- par- paradox. Sure. I have a paradox. Yeah, They're old so. and broken. <laughs> dad joke i know dad joke <laughs> but no yeah i totally get it so yeah i'm moving to the city you probably it was it it was that weird like unexpected um unintentional sexism or whatever i don't you know i don't know yeah 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 i don't think that anybody like was intentionally trying to be mean about it it just like really caught me off guard like that like Taking the streetcar to school and back was like the first time that I ever got hit on in public and it made me really uncomfortable. And I was like, what? And I kind of realized that this has never happened to me before. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. You're like, dude, this is not feel right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So this is like you being out of your element. Um, when you got when you were doing the artwork, was it because a lot of your stuff is is really beautiful and it's very very americana and so yeah. I, i'm gonna go out on a limb early here and say some of it is like pretty sexy and sexual though mm-hmm. like through what i what you can see because some of it's straight up just like people do popping a wheelie on a dirt bike but some of them mm-hmm. like the poses the people are taking or just like the mm-hmm. what it looks like they're experiencing on their face as they're like on these bikes the one i'm thinking of is the one with the the worst bike show or something like that. I yeah, love that yes. one. The girl's got the Folger <laughs> can as like the primary cover on her Harley. She has yeah. like a crazy like, uh, uh, what was the like whiskey bottles coming off of the like where you should have like reservoirs for the for the yes. fluid and stuff. But her yeah. pose and her like position is like super sexual to me. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. just, it was just, it's a sensual, I guess is what I'm trying to look yeah. for. So the, these things are like very Americana, but very mm-hmm. rock and roll and sexy at the same time. You know what I mean? Cause you've got yeah. like all these different elements. You've got like the corrosion of the uh, frontier and the, the way the bike looks, it looks a little bit wooden, mm-hmm. you know, you got the Ram mm-hmm. skull on there and all this uh, stuff. But then you've got like the rock and roll evil Knievel outfit. I mean, all in this <laughs> one picture. And if you're not really looking for it, you don't really, it's like, oh, that's a cool pick. But if you're, but I just started to look at it and I see all these things mm-hmm. coming out. And so I imagine that the the mixing of your environments, you know, being country in the city, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I can kind of see how this was like, you know, kind of led you to, to want to do the stuff that you're doing now. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're going to art school, I'm sure it's not all like super <laughs> cool, super cool, fun, rad rock and roll motorcycle. It's probably like, sketch this apple and the shading has to be good. You know what I mean? So, so how did, how did all this stuff like coalesce and end up being, um, I kind of want to fast forward through the boring parts of art school, but how did you end up, you know, being, um, you know, illustrating, illustrating motorcycles and illustrating all this cool stuff, you know? I mean, I don't think that I really, um, started uh illustrating motorcycles like in the way that everybody knows me as doing it um until after I graduated um and like part of that is because halfway through art school I kind of decided I didn't want to be a commercial illustrator haha which is what I'm doing now haha 
but uh, and I my grandmother passed away and she was a really big force in my life and I was kind of I felt lost and uh, I found um, a lady who would take me on as a tattoo apprentice and I did tattoo for three years hmm. um, and uh, I did that up until like right before the Tilger Ranch I quit that job to go on the trip. Um, Rad. And, so you got to do a lot of I'm assuming you know not not uh, common art you know art school sort yeah. of stuff then yeah yeah so it like having that outlet like over the summers in between courses like was really nice um I'm, I'm not gonna say like I did a lot of awesome really cool tattoos because I definitely did a lot of cliche like a lot of wings, a lot of birds, right. like hummingbirds, and how oh my god, dog prints. Jesus! <laughs> how many tramp stamps did you have to do? Like, were you just like dreading going? <laughs> I wanted to do another. I, I, I did. I did get to tattoo two girls' boobs, which was really awesome. <laughs> uh, that was like the highlight of my experience. Right. <laughs> like, um, tattooing boobs is really weird, by the way. <laughs> I, I can imagine that it's like a little harder than it sounds and a little more awkward you develop like uh, a weird personal when you're gonna have to get like super handsy to like not let it move around right, right that's like, the thing yeah because yeah. Like, yeah, like the skin is so much different and it's super stretchy so i like before i even start i'm like i'm gonna be up in your business like <laughs> i'm gonna be touching your boobs like you asked me to but i'm gonna warn you because i don't think that you saw it through yet okay yeah okay. <laughs> i don't think you knew that it was gonna be this involved but let's go ahead yeah right <laughs> I don't know when you started. That's that is kind of funny that you're like I don't want to do commercial stuff, and then <laughs> maybe you will end up as a stripper jockey like somewhere down the line. Like we never know. You never know how life is going to play out. But it's I mean it's right, just so yeah. funny that you you had all these plans not to go in a certain direction, and you're like ended up there. So who knows? Yeah. I mean this is uh, it's rad. It's kind of like, the whole story of riding a motorcycle, right? Like right. Yeah. So right. the tail end, tail end of working at the tattoo shop, um, I like I started do, like doing kind of motor moto drawings for Inktober, okay. and I, like that was the first time that people like really paid attention to me like for motorcycle stuff. So I got into motor rigging halfway through art school. So like right before I got the tattoo apprenticeship is when I got Lazarus. Okay. Um, Bye bye Cutlass. Uh, I mean that's such a Port- <laughs> that's such a Portland car, not a Montana car, anyway. So I know, I, and that that poor car. I like the whole reason I was even able to buy Lazarus because the guy that I was dating at the time was driving it and got hit by some girl in a smart car, and and the smart car was destroyed and there's like a tiny dent in like the rear panel of my car because it's an Oldsmobile, you know, it's a tank, right. and. And, uh, like, he came back. He's like, I'm so sorry. Their insurance is going to pay you this check. And I'm like, for a dent? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, what's this? I'm going to go buy a bike. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take a forklift yep. to pull that dent out of that Oldsmobile. So they knew they knew the cost. So, yeah, there you go. So that's that's rad. So yes. I'm going to guess Lazarus was about 1500 bucks. Lazarus was $600. What? Even better. <laughs> you God, you got your six hundred dollars worth out of that bike. Yeah, yeah, I and some like for My sure. God. <laughs> so I, I'm no, I'm going to point people to the pilgrimage because you've that's a very well documented. That's where I saw <laughs> yeah. how good your dancing skills are. You, you were like, <laughs> you know, you didn't let anything get you down. You danced your way through that, through the good and the bad and the ugly of that. But yeah. that was an amazing trip that you took 
post? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Why did you take that trip? Um, so uh, to make it not sound as bad as it was, um, my mentor that I had at the tattoo shop wasn't fantastic. Um, she was very like emotionally manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I like the last like year or so of it, I, want, I wanted to quit so bad um right. but i pro- i promised that i would i would do it for three years and i would finish my apprenticeship and i like was i was going to do it um i want yeah and i needed something to focus on like as an as an end goal to get me through till the end um and so i started planning this trip to go home because i was so homesick all the time and uh i was like well i and i haven't haven't seen as much of Montana as I really wanted to, or I feel like I should have because that's where I grew up. Um, and so I started planning this trip and it was like initially just Western Montana. And then I was like, Oh, but I want to go to this place and this place and this place. And it it became this ginormous, like 2,600 miles, like loop around Montana. Right. And and Uh, Montana looks like a beautiful place. I mean, if you're going to do a loop, I, yeah, that it looks like a beautiful place. So you just did like a 2,500 mile solo trip all around Montana. Yeah. Um, and it awesome. ended up that, that whole summer ended up being about 6,000 miles in total. Nice. Um, because I left Portland on the shadow and I went to Moto and Moab by myself. And, okay. um, and then I came up through Wyoming and, uh, then I was stuck in Montana for another week because instead of just switching bikes, I had to replace the stator on Lazarus because, you know, she has to punish me for not giving her attention. Right. Um, so did you do all of it solo? Did you do some of it with other people? or? Um, I did the grand majority of it solo. The very, Good. very last day I did with my dad. Okay. Rad. I did a 10,000-mile trip all around the country a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't, like, it took a month, but, like, there's so many places that I want to go back to and actually, like, see it yeah. was like it was like this quick overview of the country, and I'm like, okay, now I want to go back here and here and here, and mm-hmm. I did probably about half of it with my dad. Mm-hmm. Way too much, way too much. <laughs> <laughs> like, so and, and, and like honestly too, like I don't I don't know how you feel about this, but some of the best time was being in the middle of nowhere, like basically having no idea where I was, even though I kind of knew where I was. Mm-hmm. Like totally alone. It's like dark or late. And you're like sore and you've been on the bike all day and mm-hmm. like everything hurts and you're just like, this is the best thing ever. Yes, absolutely. And I firmly believe that I am a much better traveler by myself than I am in a group. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you don't have to like, yeah. you don't have to like uh, make group decisions. No. Like traveling mm-hmm. in a group, even like two people can be crappy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. if one person wants to stop to pee or take a picture or anything. And mm-hmm. it's like, dude, I was just like planning on like hoofing it through and never stopping until I, you know, get to wherever. Yeah. yeah. And so the bigger the I group, the I, worse. Yeah. And I definitely, I got, I have gotten a little bit of criticism about the way that I did that trip because like I maxed like 175 miles a day most of the time. But, like, it was because I am that person that I stop and I take my time. I want to look at this little tiny thing that looks like nothing to anybody else. Um, and I want to take pictures and I want to absorb what I'm going through. Right. Yeah, see, some um, sometimes I'm like Chris where I blast through it and then I, I regret it later. I'm like, I should have stopped and, 
smelled the roses quite literally, you know, just looked at every little thing. Um, yeah. I've done that a few times. Um, but you did, the thing is, is that you went to motos in Moab, like you had destinations mm-hmm. and it's not like you were just cruising around. I mean, you, you were actually fortunate enough to hit a cool few cool things on your yeah. trip. So that's, that's pretty rad. And recently, I think you did another one after that, right? Did we went to Baja? And, yeah, uh, and I want to talk about that because you just did that. I missed you at the women's motor show because yeah, you, I'm so you, sorry. Yeah, you <laughs> flew by. Well, and it's my bad for not you know reaching out more. I knew you were busy. I hate I hate being that guy that like wants to catch people when they're busy because it, I know how it is to be stressed out, and it's like one yeah. more layer of the yeah. onion to be stressed out on top of like already being stressed out about being stressed out about going on a what's supposed to be a non stressful trip. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, and like. That whole, like, Baja was a weird, like, mm-hmm. totally happened in a very different way than the pilgrimage. <laughs> right, right. The pilgrimage <laughs> was, like, a not quite impromptu, but more or more or less, right, uh, compared yeah. to, like, yeah, the Baja trip. And I have to say your art was phenomenal for the women's, <clears throat> pardon me, for the women's motor show. It sold out, I Thank believe. All, all the uh, shirts yeah. and stuff were just gone, like, that night. So people loved that design. <laughs> Yeah. And uh yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And I then- met I like I really meant to go, but like so Carl, um, who is my coworker, Carl, um, works at Latex also and we do Carl's mystery ride together. Um, right, I follow him on I follow that on Instagram, right. Yeah. Um and we were we met to do a McGruder pass, um, like in October or something. It didn't happen because I went to Bedford out and um that was a really great trip. Um, um, but we, I came back and we were kind of bummed because we missed it because it snowed up there. Right. And, uh, and we're like, well, what else can we do now? And I was kind of joking and I was like, like Baja, I don't know. And yeah. Carl was like, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It sounds like a super fun trip. And it just kind of like snowballed and like became a thing that seven people went on and like Carl and I hauled everybody's bikes down um, in literally 24 hours. Um, yeah, from- you flew like you were, you did that trip pretty quick. It's like, it's like a 24 hour drive from Portland to the border and you guys yeah. did it in 24 hours. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, like oh my god so like by the by the point that we had got to san diego like uh carl i think drove 16 hours i think i drove like 11 um Mm. and like we were literally going through la at like four o'clock in the morning and and you're like why is there traffic what is up with this there's there was a giant wreck we were sitting there for half an hour and eventually like i got i woke carl up and i was like we have to switch places because i'm gonna fall asleep yeah like, dude on the 101 through downtown there's you, it doesn't matter what time of the day or night there's always, always. Going <laughs> yeah that's funny so what did you think i mean is this the first time you've been out of the country Yes, so this is the first time I've ever crossed the border. Man. Uh, it, it, it was a trip. Oh, my God. <laughs> Although crossing from Montana into, Port, into Oregon, you know, especially Portland, probably can feel like, uh, <laughs> like a different country. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, like the, first, like the first time I was here, like I felt like I was a different country. Yeah. Culture shock was a real thing. But then you go down to Baja, and I'm sure it was just like a whole new world. Yeah, like, and there was also a lot of things about Baja that felt really familiar, um, like, about, like, similar to rural Montana in kind of some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, like, there were definitely times where I was like, oh, 
yeah, obviously. Like potholes and uh, there being some weird dirt frontage road along yeah. the, oh, yeah. the main road. like And, and like a, a, a rogue animal on the road sometimes or yeah. like a rogue person yeah. just like out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Absolutely. Like everybody told me horror stories about don't don't ride at night in Baja because all the cows come out and like lay on the pavement and because it's warm. And I'm like, and yeah, it's like elk <laughs> have you elk- never <laughs> have you ever driven through Montana and like at night the literally the speed limit is ten miles under what is during the daytime because of all the animals that yeah, come out. Like, like the elk <laughs> and the bears are like lounging around talking. Well, and the funny thing too is that like you hear all the horror stories about all the the banditos and the drug oh cartels God, yeah. and everything, and you go down there and it's like everyone is so nice, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like it's probably what they hear about the United States. Like, don't go to L.A., you'll get raped and shot. And oh yeah, mugged like, and all this stuff. And then it's like, yeah. So it's just because I love, I actually do love Baja still because it's kind of one of those like free frontiers, and you kind of get a peek mm-hmm. into you know, a, a whole other world. It really is a whole other world. Um, mm-hmm. What did it do for you down there? Did you, did you come away with, obviously you had some new riding experiences cause you got like 18 yeah. flat tires and like bent rim <laughs> and like you probably got really dirty down there, but did it, did I, it, it's totally different from the trips that you were used to doing up North. Yeah. Um, I think one of like the main differences, like a, like being in a, a really large group um, and uh, the, uh, the first couple days, like of any trip is a shit show, but oh my God, the first couple days, like with seven people who don't normally ride together. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> Just uh, like, and in another country, you're like, um, Hey guys, we need to figure this out. It's just like, and I love people who are like, I don't care what the decision is. Let's make the decision and let's go do the thing. Right. And like everybody wanted to spend like an extra hour delineating over like if we're going to get gas now or later. Right. Well, and in Mexico, uh, I want to say it doesn't make a difference because you're getting dirty gas like no matter where you go, you know. But yeah, exactly. But, and yeah, you so, might you might not find it though. I mean, you, they're they're right. Yeah. You, you you just get it when you see it because you, there might not be another one for a while. Yeah, and like that's the way that I felt like riding through Eastern Oregon and Eastern Montana. That's the way it is. You get gas when you see it. Like you don't want to hang out alone in uh, the Mexican wilderness while your buddies just travel another yeah. hour hour round yeah. trip to get gas, right? Yeah, and like we definitely we got gas out of that truck like definitely more than once. Right. Um, like in that big long stretch between Giro Negro and and uh, San Ignacio, like. Right. We definitely got gas at that truck. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, there and I was down there a long time ago my wife and I went down and it is we were in the jungles though where they don't speak Spanish. I mean, they speak like Oh yeah. Mayan. I don't I don't know the dialect, but it's like it's Mayan, you know, and and you mm-hmm. hear the little kids like talking and you're like that's not Spanish anymore. It's like a thing that like makes you more aware of who you are and what you're capable of and at the same time mm-hmm. like a little bit more self-reliant I feel like. And at the same mm-hmm. time on that very same like the opposite side of the coin, nothing as bad is going to happen to you while you're out there. If you did run out of gas, you know, people yeah. all come out of the woodworks to help you. It's just oh, it's so yeah, crazy. No. Like the guy that was filling out our gas, like was like looking over all of our bikes to make like and like warned Jason that his like his chain was basically coming apart, like and yeah, like yeah. and like he was very concerned about us and it was amazing. Um and even like we did get stopped by the Marines on the road. 
Um, yeah, that that happened. They're they're there to make sure that you know, like people yeah. don't do crazy stuff down there. You know, like, yeah, they, they still yeah. Want, they still want some law and order. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. And even when they stopped us, like Carl knows a little bit of Spanish, and like the best thing that we could delineate was like they were just concerned about us and wanted to make sure that we weren't stopping in the middle of the road, you know, so we wouldn't get hit and like. Like they weren't like malicious towards us at all, you know. Like yeah. they were, they were just concerned about us and our safety, you know. They know gringos love to take selfies whenever and wherever possible, <laughs> so they're like, you, yeah, guys, yeah. no, no stopping in the middle of the, the you know, <laughs> the main camino to take a selfie, okay? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So no, it that sounds like um, a rad trip, mm-hmm. and you guys were down there. How long were you guys? What was the trip we, like? The round trip. We were. We were. In Mexico for eight days, it took us 12 days in total. Um, so Carl and I leaving Portland, taking the bikes down, and then running across the border. And um, we were in Mexico for eight days. We didn't go that far south. We only went to Laredo, and then we came back up. Right. Um, for those of you that and- don't know, Laredo is roughly like the furthest <laughs> point south in Mexico that you can go. Like, Laredo is like the halfway point in Baja. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't, did you guys see any, I'm trying to think if you guys rode any of the like Baja 1000 route. Uh, um, like, I mean, we went through Ensenada. Okay. Um, and like we saw that part and oh my God, Ensenada <laughs> grab, grabbed my heart. I love that city. Yeah. Did you get some um, lobster while you were there? Like lobster and no, stuff is, like, we didn't get to get half lobster. It was uh, kind of unfortunate. Uh, um, but hey, we did. Luckily, you know, we did. It, it, skipping the lobster, you also probably didn't get Montezuma's Revenge, which <laughs> you don't want to get on the radio. So maybe, maybe good, maybe bad that you missed out on the lobster. But no, a, a lot of people go down there for obviously it's still very like, uh, it's still sort of traditional fishing villages down there and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Like, uh, we we stayed in San Quentin and uh, that town was amazing. The hotel that we stayed at, like Hotel Hardinez, was. Instagram heaven. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, there was there, a lot- I saw a couple of shots of you where it just looked like you were just like lost. Like <laughs> just, it's so easy to be like, you know, lost in the moment. And, and mm-hmm. you look like you're, you know, there's pictures of people that are on rides like that, that look wiped and you didn't quite look wiped. You look like, yeah. man, I'm just like, I could stare at this palm tree in the ocean forever. You know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Man, don't, don't leave Mexico. Yeah, like, I don't think that there was really, uh, I think, I mean, there was, like, two days where I felt really tired, and that was, like, the pushes that we had to do, um, like, getting from Guaranego to, like, Santa Rosalia, um, like, that push was really hard on me, and that was the same day that I bent my rim on my front tire, um, and, like, (laughs) that stretch was really hard on the body, um, and then, like, like, other days, I was just kind of tired mentally, um, uh, kind of dealing with the logistics of a large group. <laughs> right. What was your final total flats, um, empty tanks, like, uh, you know, your maladies and casualties on the trip? What was the, uh, the final tally? Mm-hmm. So, um, one person got sick, uh, and we had two flat tires, um, one destroyed chain. Right. And did you, uh, the guy's chain finally came apart or what? Um, so it made it all the way back to San Diego. Um, mm. but like it was limping. Like we, we had to stop very often for him to retighten his chain. Crazy. What did he just like uh, put it over a log and use it as a chainsaw one morning or what? 
No, I think it was just like it's, it's one of those cheapy X-ring chains, and like his O-rings kind of went shit. Um, I use those exclusively on everything. <laughs> Are you telling me my chain's gonna blow apart here? Sir? No, no. I, like if you do regular maintenance on it, it'll be fine. Well, oh and shit! No, no. You're I think me. A, a lot of people don't know this about chains. Um, putting a new chain on your bike doesn't do any good if you don't put new sprockets on. Not that that yeah. was the case with him, right. but yeah, I do know. I, yeah, I don't. Know, a lot of people don't understand that at all. Oh, I just put a new chain on, and it lasted a hundred miles. And my sprocket and like, was well, totally like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like also like a lot of people don't understand proper chain maintenance either or that you should really be carrying like some kind of brush to clean your chain before you lube it again. Yeah, like, I think there's a lot of a lot of chain stuff. Like the, the chains are really a pain in the ass and there's yeah, you, uh-huh. that's why belts and shaft driver where it's at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's that's really the the whole core of the reason I took Lazarus and the Pilgrims because I wouldn't have to clean a chain. Right. <laughs> belts are not good for off road, but shafts are. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that tiger, is that a shaft? No, the eight hundred is chain. The uh, twelve hundred is shaft. Yeah, okay. Mm. So man, yeah. so you still had to do uh, a little bit. I huh? still Still got that chain maintenance down, but I'm a little bit better at it than I was like a couple years ago. So, (laughs) so what was your uh, your final impressions of Mexico? Would you go back and do it again? Are you are you planning to do it again? I'm not currently planning to do it again. I will probably won't do it in a big group again. Um, If I go back, I'll probably go with like two other people, maybe like um, like three three people in a group is like probably my max. and, like, having a group was really nice down there. Um, I don't personally, like, imagine myself going solo um, by myself down there. Um, just, right. because of the, just because of the amount of, like, things that could happen. If, like, I went off-road and I broke something. Right. Um, yeah, not because you're a girl and because, like, you know what I mean? Like, all the stuff we talked about before. No, absolutely not. not. Is, like, yeah. If I was if I was purely doing a paved route down there, like absolutely, I would go by myself. But I was gonna if I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna do all the dirt stuff that I didn't get to do. Yeah. Like, <laughs> go on, like follow the route. Like, dude, I want to do like some of the Baja 500 stuff, right? On this, yeah. Uh, on the CB 500, that's what you gotta do. The 500 on the 500. Ooh, I want to do I want to do like that. I want to do that Mexican rally thing that Icon did on the Tigers and show those boys how you're supposed to ride a Tiger oh, off road. Oh right, right. <laughs> I, yeah. hope, I hope David doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> and yeah. Ernie, I wonder who did this that shoot though. Um, coming up here on an hour and a half, I gotta ask you what uh, if you could buy any bike, um, oh God. money being no object. Um, what would be like given all the ones that you've got and and the ones that you've had like the most fun experiences on? What would you mm-hmm. be looking forward to uh, for your next bike? And I know you work for Harley and Triumph, <laughs> but that doesn't that doesn't mean that it has to be a part of your answer. Uh, yeah, no, I I probably knock on wood because uh, I never know, but I probably will never own a Harley. Um, <laughs> never say never. Uh, uh, right, never say never. Uh, if you were going to the like, race this weekend, you might change your mind. Yeah. <laughs> God dang it. Maybe you will be a jockey of a flat track bike. Do flat track, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think my sportster weighs as much as a horse, so. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you, just, you didn't know the concept is, that, you know, you didn't know that you were actually uh, going down that path, but yeah. So, yeah, so right? you, you probably won't get a Harley. What, what will you get? What are you looking? Do you have your eyes on another bike? Given your 
kind of recent purchase of the tiger do you uh yeah. have your eyes on the prize for another another steed so my next bike um i don't necessarily think i know if that's like the like the top bikes that i want of all things but my next bike is definitely going to be a dirt bike and it's going to be like under 400 cc's right a dirt um, specific like, like a, a real dirt bike yeah, like, like a, a dirt proper bike. dirt yeah. bike like mm. um who's, i mean like the, if it, hey 400 by the way is a super weird cutoff for dirt I bikes, know, right? under yeah. 400, <laughs> you, like you get a 250 or a 450, and that's well, there's a plenty of KTM and Husky, like 300. We said, we said real dirt bikes. I mean, oh, like, okay, there's like, there's like a the DR 400, like yeah, yeah, but I thought you said real dirt bike. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's really opinionated over here, like Husky and KTMs are pretty good. Um, uh, yeah, yeah what, 250s like, and 450s. So, if money, if, if money was no option, I would probably get like the Husky 301. A three oh is that a two stroke or four stroke? I, I think it's a two stroke. Yeah. It might be a lot of the huskies are too. Those uh, Eastern Europeans are kook balls. So <laughs> actually, KTM's putting like direct port fuel injection back in a two stroke, so it's going to be super rad. Yeah, the huskies cool, are pretty yeah. good too. Like the huskies, I think might have that. Um, like I, I rode both of them. Like I went to this event last year, um, uh, and in the dolls where like a, it was an all women's like dirt biking event and everybody bought all their extra dirt bikes so that like people who didn't have dirt bikes could ride them. Oh, rad. And like, I got to ride a lot of different bikes that day. Like I rode a bunch of Yamahas. I rode a CRS. I rode, um, like the organizer KTM. Um, and then some other gal let me ride her 501 and the Husky. And I, Oh my God. Like it had like all the power of the KTM, but like a little bit more throttle control. So I didn't feel like I was going to whiskey throttle like myself to death. Yeah, you know, men could never do that. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be going home with a bunch of destroyed bikes. Yeah. The 501 and the 701, they're pretty, I mean, those things are pretty smoothed out, uh, compared yeah. to some of the other stuff that they have uh, available. Mm-hmm. So that's a good, I like that. Uh, the 301. And, and what's the Greek god for dirt? Because I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Like, I don't know. Maybe I will name it Diana. Maybe I'll have a girl for once. <laughs> right. The goddess of the hunt. I like that. Yeah. And so that, so dirt bike, huh? Mm-hmm. I like yeah, it. Yeah. That's, that's like the next on my, my horizons right now. Right. Like, I feel like, I feel like I have my street bike. Um, uh, I think if I ever got like a proper sport bike, it would have to be a Thruxton. Right. Uh, I love that bike so much. With the new, with the new power plant, the the. Uh... Wait, I thought you said proper street bike. <laughs> oh, sport bike. Sport oh, bike. Oh, proper sport bike. Then definitely not a proper Thruxton. Proper sport bike. <laughs> that might be a proper street bike. Uh, yeah. So, so that 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 kind of segues into my next question: was okay if you're going to get a dirt bike, mm-hmm. what would be your ultimate uh, journey, no money again, money, no object. And, uh, you know, you've done just about every sort of weather and almost every sort of terrain now. Uh, what, what, what's your, what's next on your list of things to tackle and conquer? Um, so eventually, I don't know how far down the road it's going to be, but I want to do South America. Um, I want to ride all the way down. Um, and that means, trying to find a boat to get me across the Darien Gap. <laughs> Dude, all you need is uh, a good drug runner to get you across the Darien Gap. <laughs> so a uh, acquaintance of mine used to work at CC, and that was his old job. And I believe mostly South America. Yeah, because he mm-hmm. lived in Paraguay at the time. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So you want to go from like Tierra del Fuego, like all the way down to Tierra del Fuego. Do you want to do like the whole Pacific from like whatever it is, Anchorage to Tierra del Fuego or whatever the hell that whole like. Tip oh, yeah. Tip. Like from Arctic Circle down to Patagonia. Yeah. Like that, would be, that would be rad. Um, if you're on foot, that's totally one thing. Um, but like trying to get a big kitted ABD bike across it is. Cause there's a lot of rivers. There's a lot of like really weird, murky, like, um, bogs and that kind of stuff. Um, right. I seen Robbie Madison, like ride a wave out in the ocean though. So how hard could it really <laughs> be? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's possible. You could just go down the Amazon or whatever the hell. Just like ride your motorcycle. But yeah, I get it. That's uh, a, yeah. yeah, that's, that's going to take definitely the most logistics probably out of everything that you've ever, ever done. Cause that's going to take multiple passport, stampings yeah and, and yeah. you have to get a, a special permit to cross the Bering gap as well you have to get it from panama and uh columbia hmm. um and like <laughs> yeah you don't want to go down there and end up unlocked up abroad that's for sure yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think i think crossing the Bering gap like legally is very similar to trying to get onto antarctica legally right you got, um, you got to know a good penguin yeah, work. exactly. It's a lot, a lot of paperwork, like, and a lot of hoops to jump through, and then you have to do it, you know. Right. God dang. So that's a that's actually rad. And if if you ever do that, let us know, please. We'll, de- we'll definitely yeah. hit you up on your way down and and talk to you in case nobody ever hears from you again. You know, you will be the last uh, <laughs> the last people one. that heard from you. But but yeah, no, that's a that's a giant bucket list thing, and I I yeah. hope that you get to go on it soon. Hey, before we get out of here, I want to um, point people to your social media, but I also want to ask you, yeah. where, where does blind thistle come from? It sounds like a type of, uh, <laughs> milkweed or something. <laughs> so stupidest backstory ever. Rad. Uh, I can't wait to hear all about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the first story, which is the honest story is that I was in art school, like my freshman year and I needed a handle for my art crap. Um, besides just Amanda Zitto, because do you know how many Amanda Zittos there are in the world? A stupid amount. Really? Yeah. I was going to make a little joke, like when we were going to have you on, like you're A to Z because Amanda Zitto. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> really? I would uh, never have guessed that. I'm going to I'm gonna Google it uh, here in a second. While you talk, I'll Google it and I'll tell you how yeah, many there's, there are. Yeah, there's some gal who is like a, uh, I think she sells, she's an, a, a property agent or something. And uh, she's got that on lock. So oh I was like, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, Amanda Zitto Realtor was the very first thing to pop yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, you're, I didn't, you're a news anchor. You're a long distance runner. You're, <laughs> you're you. There you are as a tattoo artist. You're a realtor. Yeah. Good God. There's, there are a ton. Yeah. So I was like, well, I need a different handle, like besides my name. Um, Is that just like a Pacific Northwest thing? There's like all the Amanda Zittos in the world. Oh, they're everywhere. Yeah, I know they're they're everywhere. Um, And I like literally, no joke, I just listed a bunch of random words on a page and I put together what sounded good. Hmm. Um, And but kind of like reasons that I put like those specific words on the page is like, uh, blindness is uh one of the most terrifying things to me like that is my worst fear that would end every single thing that you do as as a passion writing art like everything Mm um yeah it is absolutely my worst fear i've had nightmares about it for a long time wow Um, and uh thistles 
uh, were a- are actually uh, or uh, the purple ones that um, kind of grow out uh, are really um, <laughs> I shouldn't. They grow a lot on our property. Okay, they're they're yeah prolific on your. Uh, yes, prolific your... is an excellent word. Okay. Uh, and when I was a kid, I didn't know that they were weeds. So you're, I, you were collecting them and putting them on the on the table for centerpieces. Yeah, like I thought they were gorgeous. Like I used to like cut them and I would walk down because we moved to that property when I was eight um, with, to live with my grandmother and our our house on top of the hill and my grandmother lives at the bottom of the hill. So I used to walk from our house down through the gully. I would pick some like thistles and I would tie them together and then I would bring them to my grandma. Right. Um, and you know, even a, even a rose in a cornfield is a weed. So, right, yeah, right. It's all relative. Yeah, and and my grandmother had the firm like nothing is a weed. Like oh, cool. It, it's just a, just about the perception of it, right? right? Um, uh, Did she say that cheesy quote that I just said? To <laughs> 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 oh, man, I'm full of them tonight. Like full of the dad philosophy. <laughs> One on one. So that's like kind of the origin of that name. It, it's kind of stupid, and but do you want me yeah. to edit it all out? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I mean, at least it's a, at least it's a real. You know, it's like the. Mm-hmm. So that's rad. And then where, I, of course, that being your Instagram handle, where mm-hmm. p- people can find you. Um, else on the web is you know that's one place instagram at blind thistle yeah. but where else are you at so i have um as the com, which is like my main central for all things moto um like and you can pretty much find everything that else i do on that website so there's links to my youtube there's links to the facebook page um and my red bubble shop which I, where i sell um my designs on shirts and stickers and stuff Rad. Um, that was going to be one of my next questions is where do we get some of your artwork? I know you don't do commission stuff. You don't do, you know, I'm not going to do your lame tattoo for you, bro. Like you can <laughs> read all about it on, uh, on your blog and stuff. But yeah, I mean, if, like, you, if you, you do would not believe, you would not believe the amount of people who still message me, even though it says it in my, like my profile, that I won't draw your tattoo. Uh, <laughs> the amount of people who are like, but I know, I know that it says that, but can't you just, can't you just do it for me? I mean, it'll take you like five minutes. Right. Please just do Taz like a tramp stamp, I swear. <laughs> like, and like, and I, I really, I, I love doing motorcycle commissions and stuff like for events and stuff. Um, but like right now, like my, uh, waiting list is ridiculously long. Wow. <laughs> like, I would have never guessed, you know what I mean? I mean, I, <laughs> I love your stuff and I'm sure it doesn't take like, a day to draw it because mm-hmm. I try to draw stuff in a day and there's a reason that I'm not a, a good artist on, on the, anywhere. But so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it takes, you know, the time and the detail and stuff that you put yeah. in. I mean, go check out if you guys, as soon as you hear this, go check it out. I, and I know I've mentioned you before on our Instagram shout outs for people to go, uh, to look at your stuff just because it has all those qualities I was talking about earlier and the details mm-hmm. in some of the stuff that you draw, like the trees and stuff, and then you end up mm-hmm. coloring over them. And it's like mm-hmm. you don't even really see some of the hours that you see on the whip that you've put into yeah. it. And it you, you, you have to have it there in person to be able to, to actually see it because the, the computer just doesn't really do it justice, you know, like what what's actually yeah. there in the details. So it's pretty pretty interesting. 
Um, so yeah, so as the magpie flies, yeah, for sure. I'll put, I'll put links in all the show notes and I'm definitely going to reference you. You had a wonderful interview with, um, Ridewell, uh, a while yeah. back and, um, I'm sure she had you on Skype, which I'm, you know, I don't know how she recorded you, but it sounded wonderful. So we got a lot of your story there and, uh, she talks a lot about the pilgrimage. You, like you were saying, you have a lot of YouTube footage about it and it was, it was obviously a big part of your life and a big part of your motorcycle beginnings. So Mm -hmm. everybody go take, you know, go over there and take a look at it and I will link out to it too, just to make sure people, um, go to the right spot. But yeah, I want, I want people to be able to get in touch with you and, and, uh, or at least be able to see the stuff that you do because it's, it's really amazing. And you. your whole journey is just so cool. And for <laughs> sure, I, uh, if, if you do it, if the, if the stars line up, man, and you're going on this, uh, bucket list tour that you finally, you know, you finally <laughs> make it, I, I'm, I'd love to just even ride down, you know, halfway through Mexico. That'd be, that'd be so yeah. much fun, but yeah, keep us, please keep us informed. And, and if you are going to do some crazy journey or if you have an art show, if you're going to be doing anything nuts, like in the future, let us know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Absolutely. Let us know where you're going to be and what you're going to be doing so we can, you know, point people to you and, and totally. get the word out. Yeah. Well, like, right now on the horizon, like Rocky Mountain Roll is like taking up my whole screen right now. Right. So. right. <laughs> So if people want to come to that, is, is anybody welcome just to cruise up there for check out Montana in the Julys? Yeah, so Rocky Mountain Roll is a pre-registration only. There are no tickets sold at the gate. So if you show up and your name is on my list, I can't let you in. Yeah, you're, you're camping at the cow field next door. <laughs> yeah, uh, so Rocky Mountain Roll, the link to those tickets is on as the Night High Flies. There's a tab tab at the top that says Rocky Mountain Roll, and you click on that, and you scroll down, and tickets are still on sale, and they are on sale until July uh, 10th or 11th, I believe. It's around there. And, um, and uh, like we just, I have to know how many people are going to be there so I can warn my parents, you know. <laughs> right. And get, I mean, yeah, you got to turn in some paperwork and then. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know if it's like uh, Hazard County, like the old Dukes show where it's like takes three or four days to turn around the paperwork and all that stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I imagine that you got to give a little bit of a heads up, but that's rad. Um, so yeah, check that out. Rocky Mountain Roll. Check her out, Blind Thistle on Instagram. And there's a lot of stuff uh, on Instagram too to look at. And and just it's it's rad seeing you know all your artwork there and all your moto adventures. And then of course, as the Magpie Flies has a lot of video content. I was just looking at a bunch of it the other day and just going, I wish that was me. But one <laughs> one thing you'll find out about Amanda, she loves to loves to dance, and you're not afraid to fall over once in a while. Yeah, and, no. <laughs> right. And I see it looks like you ride in just about all sorts of weather as long as you can get the wheels mm-hmm. to turn. Yep. So that's awesome. Hey, thank you for uh, wasting a couple hours of your valuable <laughs> night with us and uh, and hanging out. I cannot well, thank you wait. Thank so much for having me. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Hey, everybody, Amanda Zitto, actually, check her out and make sure you get the right one since there's apparently 47 million of them out there on the internet uh, waiting to get your clicks. So make sure you get the right one. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the lovely and talented Amanda Zitto. We will have all of her links in the show notes. Now it's back to the co-host and I doing our regular Friday night thing. All right, dudes, check out this total fail coming up right now speaking of so. Beckergate that sounds like uh, 
worst name for a bike. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, edit like, this out. Like a, it's not even a Torino. What is that thing? A Turo? Yeah. An Aprilia Turdo? Trying to make a nice segue here. I'm not going to do it, am I? <laughs> I tried to cover for you. <laughs> Fail. Shit. What else was I going to ask you? Oh, yeah. Our challenge. So, hey, listen, guys. Oh, yeah. We got a great, uh, we got a great roast my bike this week. You want to hear some rad? Oh, music? do you want to do the challenge or the roast my bike? Let's do roast my. What bike. about roast my challenge? That's a good one. <laughs> I like roast my challenge. Let's do roast my challenge. That's what everyone's gonna do. challenge <laughs> i was gonna be like you guys failed at roasting bikes and your challenge sucks too yeah and we failed it segways and everything so hey this week's roast my bike comes to us from wingman's garage i believe this is chris uh his bike his personal bike but at least when you posted a photo on facebook i knew what it was yeah you know what it's a 2007 aprilia tuono 1000 r were they what? still in business in 2007 barely uh i think it's it is it's a, it's a 2007 aprilia 2 oh no 1000 r yeah that was pretty retarded but i've been making is that how you say it two no yeah <laughs> the two no <laughs> two no that's italian for you not uh no uh-huh. really this thing if you painted it green its name is giada which already sounds like an intestinal tract like malady like i think there's a virus called giardia which not too far off but this thing the front end if you painted it green it would look like that grasshopper chopper on fuck, fuck my bike sucks do you remember what i'm talking about <laughs> look at this front end it looks like the world's ugliest cicada with wheels well they did like uh triumph was guilty of the same thing when they put the dual headlights on the speed triple and street triple but like hung it out front mm, yeah that was a like, controversial look for sure like let me just give everyone an idea if you're doing a naked bike Especially, even with that little tiny fairing, it should turn with the forks. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, this thing is the ugliest sin. Uh, is it a V4 or V-twin? It's a V-twin. It's a Rotax uh, V-twin. and sadly, So it's kind of like a Harley Davidson. That's what I was going to say. Sadly, and it's 60 degree as well. That's a flat track reference for those of you who don't know, who are going to be like, that's not a Harley Davidson, it's a Rotax. Look up Harley Davidson Rotax. Yeah. Well, yeah, and Rotax, Rotax, Harley Davidson, and Flat Trekking are synonymous with uh, each other. Yeah, <laughs> they're the is synonymous with not making their own motors too. Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say, like when I first <clears throat> was reading this, I was like, well, what Ducati motors in here? And oh, I and saw. a Buell. The Buell is a Rotax. Well, yeah, the Buell was Rotax. It was his own priority. That word, priority. No, it was his own priority to do a Rotax. Yeah, it was his priority. To me, that was. I really like a lot of shit Eric Buell did, but that one, I don't know. The word he's looking for is proprietary, but yeah, let's not tell That's me. the word I was looking for. <laughs> but yeah, even the uh, like the later Buells were Rotaxes, and I'm sure the Buell, the EBRs were Rotax, I think, too. So. Yeah, they were. They were his own design, though. Yeah. Aprilia's, I don't know if it was their own design or not. Dude, I thought Aprilia was like B-Moto, where they just 
straight up stole a frame from one person, a motor from another person, and slapped a badge. But apparently, they did come out with everything but this motor. And it shows because... The V4 is supposedly theirs. Well, yeah, but is this thing a V4? No. no. If that's no. the twin, I think it's... When I zoom in on this thing, it looks like one of those Japanese uh, like Power Ranger characters from like the 90s. Uh, like one of the villains that Ultraman would have fought. Like this thing just has so many unnecessary panels, and then they hide the front with a scoop that looks like it came off of half of a katana and half off the set of Knight Rider. And the purple wheels just really don't match anything on the entire bike. Like, wow, for real? This thing, and then it's got gold handlebars. Yeah, this thing is just a hodgepodge of bad ideas. Gold handlebars are like, hey, I wish I had Olin's forks and pro tapers. <laughs> I, can't, I don't, but if I anodize I them gold, have, people will think so. I don't have either one, but uh, this color scheme is going to go well with this black and purple. Yes, black, purple, and gold. That's like the worst uh, high school colors. <laughs> so if you went to high school with those colors, you're really sucky. And then to top it off, uh, Jiminy Cricket head right on the front there where there should be a nice, beautiful fairing and headlamp. I feel also like that, uh, this is going to be a weird reference, but I feel like this thing's been spray painted with rubberized undercoating. Maybe. Where's Wingman's Garage out of? Kentucky. Maybe. I'm just kidding. I know you're in Tennessee, but go with me. Let's make a joke here, Wingman. <laughs> I, I can't hate on Kentucky. That's where the Haydens are from, though. I know. Well, then they're they're not from Kentucky. They're okay. from Tennessee. <laughs> they're from the tail they're of the probably dragon. Probably from Georgia. Mm. Are they close to the tail of the dragon? Well, if they are, he can just drive this straight off a cliff and be done with it. That's why he bought an Aprilia, so none of the rednecks would know what it is. Yeah, they're all what the. Is that fuck? a a, a pre? What is that? That's a two. Oh no! It looks t- totally <laughs> disgusting. Oh man! Sounds like a Harley Davidson, but looks like a shitty. Uh, cicada with wheels bolted to his asshole. You know, I wish I had two of these things. One to shit on and one to wipe my ass with. <laughs> Alright, we should probably move on from the yeah. Tarot. No. Alright. Before we start roasting ourselves again. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm gonna say victory to us. The Giardia reference, by the way. Uh, thank you very much. My my wife's a germaphobe, so I knew that one. But, uh, yeah. Fuck you, bike. <laughs> man it's getting to i like that it sounds very radiohead yeah thanks man i spent some time roadieing for those guys uh back in the early 2000s <laughs> worst show ever uh hey we got a challenge for you guys and well mostly for us I, but I, I think it's just a challenge for us yeah we yeah. botch enough challenges trying Listen, to allow people to participate. Yeah, you guys don't get it. Yeah, you know what? I was going to say, how are we going to score this? But we don't. Not only that, like in this particular challenge, price is a factor. So if we let people in other parts of the country participate, they're going to beat us every time because we have California motorcycle prices. What? Yeah, it's a tax we pay for being able to ride all year round. That's true. Everything has to be <laughs> at least $2,000. More than like the Kelly well, book, and everyone else in the country is like, "Oh, it's winter time. I'm gonna sell my bike." And here it's like, 
never wintertime. Yeah, that's true. You never. That's one of my complaints about California. We don't have time to work on our bike. It's always got to be running and working because you always got to be able to ride it. Oh, and hot dog shit on the hot tin roof. Uh, I've got the best bike. Um, I'm gonna. I always go first on these things. I always shout out my Instagrams first. I'm the greediest toast I think we've ever uh, had on the show, and. I'm going to go ahead and let you go first since I... Uh, I'm going to explain the challenge first then. Okay. So they know. You explain the challenge. So we're kind of ripping off the Misfits. And then we're also we kind of... absolutely <laughs> not ripping off the Misfits. They're making no, it's videos different. of it's... crying scooter, scooter riders and all sorts of crazy if stuff. If I rode a scooter, I'd cry all the time too. I know. I know. Uh, let's no. Do, let's do Roast by Scooter next it's week. De- <laughs> it's definitely different, but... Um, when we did the motor challenge and everyone liked it, I was like, we should do some other challenge. And since I buy pretty well all my motorcycles off Craigslist, um, and we'll add some flair to this later. So I think this week is just find the best bike you can for $2,500. And then we're going to debate why one's better than the other one. Right. We don't have 30 other people to vote though, like the misfits. So we just have to fight amongst ourselves. And you can leave, uh, you can send us an email or you can leave some comments on whatever social media page you find this on. And next week, We'll talk about it ourselves because I find that we are much more reliable than the people we depend on for like real opinions, like other yeah. podcasts uh, that come in fourteen weeks later after <laughs> after we've already <laughs> decided. So uh, yeah, so that's the challenge. We're gonna find the best bikes for a pre-described price. This week it's gonna be twenty five hundred bucks, and um, sometimes pre-described purpose also. Yeah. So we may ask uh, Alexa. Alexa. Good. She's unplugged. I, did, I hope she didn't hear our whole conversation earlier about when we were talking about what we're going to be doing. But um, she, you can... You well, can, then she'll know where we buried everyone. Oh, my God. Good thing she's unplugged. <laughs> so you can you can say, give me a random number between blah and blah. So I think we might use that for some price things. That sometime. could be cool. Yeah, that would be pretty cool because she might throw out like, like a wacky number that's either crazy high or crazy low. So we'll see. And then, yeah, the purpose... Um, the crazy motor thing, I was like, yeah, let's talk about crazy motors. Because I originally, when we, I went over to your house for the garage night episode, we were, I was going to say, we should talk about some crazy motorcycles. And I had the whole Rocon history written out. Because you were in my garage and I have like crazy motorcycles. Yeah. And then I was like. Mostly a Jawa and a CB400. The, yeah. And those are pretty crazy. And Everything it, else is pretty cookie cutter. Yeah. Especially the. Uh, the Harleys. Because yeah. they're Harleys. So the challenge kind of came out of that idea of crazy bikes and i liked it because i actually learned a lot of stuff so i hope i learned something this week what i learned this week is that when you have a week to prepare you really should because uh we're gonna have a special guest on the show (laughs) or we already did have a special guest on the show we don't know at this point (laughs) but either way i was looking at my bike during that interview (laughs) i i got on earlier this week and i made some favorites um I literally, and then I was like, oh, shit, I don't remember. And then I got back on and I was like, oh, yeah, I saved him. I literally picked – yeah, no, that's the one thing about Craigslist. But I think I, this one's a good one too. Like this one, this week is just a, a monetary value of $2,500. But we have been talking a lot on the show and I, we're probably going to continue to talk a lot about on the show about giving a shit. I mean a shift. <laughs> Hashtag give a, give a shit. <laughs> Hashtag shit a give. And um, 
buying so buying new bikes editing this three and a half hour oh man it is that long um so like buying new bikes or buying used bikes or getting people into it or whatever so and to me twenty five hundred dollars you can definitely get something less like here's an sv650 for twelve hundred dollars but we roasted that last week it's yeah one it even it even has jigs or forks on it already yeah one we roasted it last week Two, it's $1,200, and I feel like I'm not going to pick a $1,200 bike to compete with your $2,500 bike, mm. even though I'd probably still win. I don't want to do that well to played, you. Well played, Young Jedi. And there's a two that – so, like, but that's a good option if you were a new rider. But I feel like $2,500 is a is a decent price point for new riders. Like, it's I, – $2,500, I feel like what's nice about that price point, if you can afford that for your first bike, is there's a lot of options. So I looked at a few different things. Um, I have to say there's everything. What color is the bike you pick? So I don't want to like mention your bike before. Blue and white. Okay, then I hope not. Um, So there's this one, like a 2003 Honda Nighthawk 750, but it was $2,300. Not my bike. No, that one's red. It's not that. It's my main one I picked. Um what I like about that, if it was like a new a new rider, it's not super ridiculous fast. You know, it's a pretty decent Nighthawk 750. But I also felt like $2,300. And then here's a crash kind of Street Fighter 07 ZX6R for 25. And then the bike I picked because it was actually super clean and blue and white is a oh. 2007. Okay, 2007 Jigsaw 750 for 2,500 bucks. It's a pretty decent bike. It's pretty clean. Um, Unimpressive, 2007. Uh, I mean, if if for 2,500 dollars you're gonna get a 10 year old bike, but a Jigsaw 750. I mean, the good thing about honestly the last 20 years with bikes is for 99 percent of us could be on a 20 year old bike and it does way more than we're capable of. I have to say. Getting that, you can literally say Jixa, bruh, and like people know what you're talking about. Like this yeah. bike was, uh, oh yeah, the Jixa 750 especially, yeah. and I feel like it was super weird because no one made 750s anymore. Mm. And uh, do they still make a 750? Because mm-hmm. I don't know why. That's super weird. There's no. They actually made a GSX 700 for like a, a hot second, I think. But they are back and they have the uh, GSX. S 750s now. Yeah. And, and, and the, maybe they're still making it because it's a surprisingly hot selling bike. Mm-hmm. But again, like, oh, let me just bump that with my watch. <laughs> There's no race class for it. Uh-uh. There's no purpose for a Jixer 750. And maybe they, well, they are have like selling a 600 Super Sport. And a thousand. And a thousand. <laughs> the 750 is from, they killed that class in like, what, 04, 05 when they killed the, like, that was when the RC 51 was hot. Whenever they came out, no, it was like a four. Yeah, I'm trying to, to see why the they would have year. a seven because they don't race flat track either. So then no, the homologated. What motor. it used to be for a while with AMA for a long while actually was you were allowed 750 four cylinder or a thousand twin. That's why all the ducks were thousands. Mm-hmm. That's why the RC51 and the TLR 1000 because Suzuki was like, why not make a four cylinder and a thousand? Honda's thousand at the time was small and shitty. 
I mean, it was like a 929 and 900. Yeah. It wasn't oh, yeah, shitty, but it was. It didn't handle like an RC51 either. What was either. that class? Was that called? Uh, I believe that one was the Super Sport at the time. Huh. American they, Super Sport, and like then not they World had, Super Sport. World Superbike was the same. Hmm. Their rules were for the big bike class, you could have a 1,000 twin yeah. and a 754 That's cylinder. the reason Harley was doing the VFR 1000. Yeah, and the Ducatis yes. did a thousand. And Ducatis were thousands. RC fifty one was a thousand. Mm-hmm. So, and then you had the Jixxer seven fifty competed in that class and actually did really well. Matt Maladin won championships on oh, it yeah, still in the right. US. That's what Matt Maladin was racing. Yeah. So then what they did, they basically huh. AMA and or basically World and AMA follows killed the seven fifty thousand rule. You were able to go to a thousand cc four cylinder. Honda got their ass kicked on the nine fifty four for a while. And uh, one of the Edwards or one of the Roberts boys kept up in AMA, but he would smoke his tires on the RC. He was just outpowered. Yeah. So he'd have to drive it through the corner harder. And towards the end of the race, he'd always wear his tires out. That series ended like right around like 2006, 2007. Yeah, right? I think even before that. Because Honda, they had the 950. It was the last year of the 954 was the first year where the thousands were running. And Honda had nothing ready. Hmm. And luckily, Jigsaw already had a thousand. Which is also f- weird that they even had a thousand because there was no race class at the time for a thousand, yeah. but everyone had one. Yeah, and you know, there's not enough races worldwide for like like the Boulder War and stuff like that. There's none, and, and Battles of the Twins that they used to have. There's just not enough races worldwide yeah. for people nowadays to like waste time on. Especially, I think at the pro classes. level, which is what the manufacturers are focused on. Mm-hmm. Like the Battles of the Twins, I think are cool because you can go buy an old RC fifty one. Mm-hmm. And you can be pretty competitive. But in the Battle of the Twins, what I don't like about it is you can buy a 2017 Pengali mm-hmm. V2, mm-hmm. you know, V-twin one, and you can still go race it. So yeah, but whatever. I felt like for $2,500, that was a pretty good bike because it was clean, too. It wasn't all roached. Like the 636 I found was super roached. Yeah. And you know, lots of parts for that. It's kind of like a Honda Civic of motorcycles where there's lots yeah. of parts, lots of hop up parts for it. If you, you, you can, that's a 750. So you can potentially like kit that thing out and not outgrow it. Um, oh, yeah. And you could track it. I mean, yeah. a decent track bike. I'm not a huge Suzuki fan, but, um, you know, bang for your buck. I think they're probably the better or horsepower for your buck, I should say, I guess. But, and if you're going to drag race, that'd be a great bike to start on. If you're going to track day, that'd be a great bike to Probably start on. Probably a little on. small to drag race. Yeah, but I'm just thinking, like, to get your feelers on. Cause yeah. like, you know, think of the FZ7. And I'd say for a track day, it's more than almost anyone will ever need. Mm-hmm. So. Wow, that's a really good bike. I like that. Uh, $2,500. bucks. Was that exactly $2,500? Yeah, that's what oh, it man, said. That's this right. one said firm, though. So it I just, that's, I, I just went off the advertised prices. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a part of our rules too. Is that, uh, like the Nighthawk says twenty three. Yeah, and it's a Nighthawk. If you took that dude two grand, you got a bike. Yeah, but it can't say like it can't be eBay where we don't know what it is. We 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 yeah before, we didn't, before the challenge we said starting bid at twenty five hundred. Yeah, yeah, it's a seven thousand dollar bike. If it says buy now, then we made like the yeah. Um, caveat that if it says by now then sure but yeah if, if it go if we're looking at it and it goes over that you know especially at the time of recording we know better yeah so yeah you you it's hard you got to pick 20 you know that number or lower so the bike that i'm coming away with is uh, under 2500 bucks oh. slightly 
It's two thousand dollars, so it's not you know it's not like a seven hundred dollar junker. Although I did see some Harley Davidsons on here for cheap, and Wiggins actually phoned me up or texted me the other a couple weekends ago. Uh, there was like a six hundred dollar SV six fifty for sale. Six fifty. Remember, buck. I just remember because you wanted a buck of CC. CC, yeah. It sold it's, quick though. It sold quick, but dude, there was like a legit track day bike for a buck a cc which is legit like that's and a it good was way to sell a bike. he said it it wouldn't start because the battery was dead it had sat for a couple of years but i bet if you put a battery in it would have started up mm-hmm. and then yeah it didn't have the jigsaw front end but honestly <laughs> for your first time first few times on the track that's gonna be fine um but you would have been in if you wanted to track it if you would have put brand new tires on it chain and sprockets it has still been less than a grand yeah and so we're talking like there's some decent bikes. And that's kind of what I saw when I was looking tonight during the interview. <laughs> it was very hard to, you know, when Chris was running away with the topics or, uh, you know, Amanda was going on, I was listening. And then I quickly rushed down here and, and uh, go through my list. So, dang, it was it was hard. But I think I pulled out a winner here. <laughs> Mine is a 2014. Oh. Blue and white. Genuine Buddy 170i scooter. You would pick something under 250. <laughs> Comes with a free helmet. Are the buddies, is that what uh, Cleveland Moto really yeah. likes? Yeah. That's the only reason I picked it. A, because it has a free helmet. And I was thinking, dude, what better way to get into motorcycling than to not have to go out and spend another $500 yeah. on, you know. Well, 500 What kind of free helmet? $50 free helmet? Well, you know. Liza wears a eleven dollar helmet around all the time, and she, you know what God. she doesn't wear? It's her five hundred dollar helmet. Her five and eight hundred dollar helmets. Yeah. But so this one, you get a free scooter. I mean, a free. It, it's actually a two thousand dollar helmet you get and a free, free scooter. scooter with it. <laughs> yeah. So the whole reason I would have never picked this anyway. I mean, a scooter. Come on. But I remember that Phil and the people always say that these things can actually do freeway speeds. When he did some like long dude, he rode ride like race country thing yeah. like around the lake or something the, around some lake. Yeah, yeah. They do the um, I forget what it's called, but it's called like the. Tin, it, tin butt 200 or something where they yeah. go a crown, a crown and he said what was lake. cool about it was like he was speeding the whole time but um because it was a pink scooter like no one even yeah. thought about it yeah so that's hooligan factor and now that i've seen the steady garage like what they can do yeah. i'm looking at this thing like a porsche now like <laughs> dude are you kidding me this 170i steady is, garage has his jaded on scooters though oh dude like this thing is this thing's got me a boner so listen to this um, this thing's blue, a little blue, just like a Viagra. Give you a boner riding it. <laughs> um, so it's from San Francisco. He has got low miles, and it says it'll even get you up hills. Now San Francisco has some gnarly hills. Like yeah. when he says get you up a hill, some, my bike probably won't but even make it. It's a one twenty five though. That's a pretty decent one seventy. Oh, nice. It's bigger than a Grom. Yeah. It's bigger than the Z one twenty five Pro. Hell, it's probably the same CCs as like a Van Van. Because they're probably not really exactly 200. But, dude, it's got like a royal, uh, like a Union Jack on it. So there you go. You got, you're in with the Are mods. They British? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they're just were like, Taiwan. Yeah, Taiwan or something. <laughs> but, dude, you fill up for like three bucks. So he doesn't even know how much uh, it says like three bucks. Um, you can, but, but three bucks will last you the whole week. That gets 80 miles a gallon. And it says it's perfect for anyone, beginner or seasoned rider. And I'm thinking, dude, they got it 
rate drag race these things in Taiwan. Hopefully, but. someone that's married because it's definitely not going to get you any tail. <laughs> Dude, come on. And the helmet was $99, by the way. So. But dude, I it just says that it's gonna get your blood flowing. It's got electronic fuel injection. That's pretty rad, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm guessing that's what the eye is for after the 170. Maybe. So, dude, this thing's uh fuel injected. It's stylish. Take it down to Steady Garage and like have them put like a turbo on this mofo. <laughs> the, Lower it and put some sweet wheels. Yeah, I can't tell. I couldn't tell you the the. The discs on this thing, though, look like smaller than the ones on my mountain bike. So that's the one thing. Like, yeah, but I mean, a scooter with disc is pretty good. Like, all of weren't the, a lot of the Vespas and stuff drums, you just weren't they? Throw an anchor off the back, or, or like when the motor drops, you hold on to yeah, it. Right? Yeah. So I don't know. 2014, also. I don't uh, know. Yeah, that's that's it's only four years old. I wonder what those cost new. Not much more than two thousand, I guess. But it isn't very old. But yeah, no, no. It's I think I, I think at Cleveland, I think they're. He said they're like thirty five hundred or like four thousand. So yeah, that's one hard one to judge. We were both kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, you're going track day jixer, bruh. I'm going like Cleveland Moto says these are fun, and Steady Garage can put a fucking turbo kit on this thing. <laughs> so I don't know. Should we let the listeners decide and get back to us? Who, sure, let who them have won at it. Round one. This is a twenty five hundred dollar bike. Uh, stay tuned to the future for more challenges from uh the wigmeister and i and uh let's do some instagram shout outs you wanna you yeah, got any i had one and i forgot who it was and then i couldn't find another one again will you allow me sir i know i'm very 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 greedy and i always go first on these things but can would you just allow me to go first I, this time i kind of prefer you going first all right well what i'm gonna do is i'm just gonna hit the search button and flip through this is gonna be nobody that i even know and uh, maybe not even motorcycle related, but I don't know why that would be. All right, here we go. This is coffeegasoline.garage. They have a really sweet Yamaha like bobber on there. Oh, it's a XS650 bobber. Never heard of an XS650 bobber. That's weird. <laughs> Just kidding. So Yamaha, very well known for the XS650. But yeah, this is pretty tight looking. I actually kind of dig it. So coffeegasoline.garage. And, of course, we'll put that in our Instagram shout-outs, and I better write that down before I forget it. And I think that's plenty of ample time for Wigs to have found a random shout-out. Ooh, and it's got, uh, if you don't like ladies on bikes, like all of these bikes, now that I scroll down, almost specifically have all ladies on them. It looks like they're based out of uh, somewhere in the eastern part of the world. So if you like little bikes being built up into red choppers and yeah, they got some cool cafe racers on here and stuff. Check out uh coffeegasoline.garage. All right. Now so I'm gonna pass it over to Wiggins. Do you drink the gasoline and put the coffee in your bike? I don't know. Let's ask the people at CC Motorcycles. Our friends at CC Coffee Company <laughs> Motorcycle Company and Fox Branding. Uh of course all this will be edited out. I found it a kind of cool one we'll go with. Totally not motorcycle, though. Um, and just hear me out before you judge. <laughs> Ferrari dot lovers. <laughs> oh, dog. But this is why. Is that like grinder? <laughs> <laughs> this is why I like them. 
it, about 90% of their photos are vintage Ferraris. Oh, there you go. The 360B. So, uh, the old GTO the is GT- probably my favorite. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. The 410. 60s and 70s and 80s. Like, there's some new stuff, too. But The F40. Um, yeah, it's all about vintage Ferraris. Like, when he was getting his ass kicked by Ford. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good era. The 962B. Yeah. Uh, I the, mean, the new ones are rad. The Mondago. But... And yeah. the Tetra Aranya, which was like one of the very least known Ferraris, ugliest sin. Even worse than the Dino? Oh, oh my God. God. Not worse than the Tuano, that's for sure. <laughs> There's nothing worse than that. What a hunk of shit. All right, guys, that's been our show. Uh, it's Chris, been a long show. It's been a very long show. We need to get out of here. I'm going to drop in the, uh, I'm going to do us both a favor. I'm going to drop in the events later. Okay. Is that just enough? That's it. <laughs> All right, everybody, thank you so much for sticking around for this week's show. It's a long one, longest one yet, I believe, and uh, it's for Wiggins, man. He's driving by himself up to the one show up in Portland to race this weekend. If you see Wiggins or the Misfits, uh, buy him a steak, buy him a beer, give him a handshake, give him a hug. Wig, drive safe, my friend. Uh, All right, what's coming up for the rest of uh, February? Let's get into it here on the 9th. You have the one show in Portland. There's going to be a bunch of crazy stuff happening up there. There's going to be some Dyna versus Sport Bike, uh, throwdowns, stunt festivals, all that great sort of stuff. There's also going to be all over town, uh, all sorts of little shows and side parties going on. So check that out. Um, also, the 9th through the 11th, the Chicago IMS at the uh, Stephens Convention Center. Go check that out. The 10th, bring your own carbs at Yaz's Garage. Got to go check that out. Uh, announcement, announcement. The foothill ride that was put on by Ramming Speed has got changed from this weekend to next weekend. So coming up on the 17th, the foothill ride kickstands up at 10 a.m. at Pro, from Pro Italia, brought to you by Ramming Speed. They're going to ride around the wonderful foothills here of Southern California. Also, before I forget, there's a couple more things happening in the early part of February. One of them is this weekend, also Timonium Motorcycle Show in Timonium, Maryland. Uh, The Easy Riders 2018 Bike Show Tour passing through Columbus this weekend. So go check that out if you get a chance. Uh, The 23rd through the 25th is the Washington, D.C., uh, IMS at the Walter Washington Convention Center, which is what Washington, D.C. is named after. Um, the 24th, baby, Rick James, Legacy Brewing. That's going to be going down. So get your uh, butts down to Good Times, California, a.k.a. Oceanside, Legacy Brewing. Um, the 24th through the 25th, Wiggins won't be here. He'll be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for the Mama Tried show. And you heard the announcement there uh, earlier from Narissa from the uh, Milwaukee Rivets. Uh, it's going to be a bunch of great stuff happening at the Fuel Cafe, so check that out too. Uh, the 25th, SoCal Cycle Swap Meet here in beautiful Long Beach, L.A. Heading into March, March 3rd, the Back Roads or Bust is a timed back road blast from Brisbane to Byron, and that's happening in Boss, Australia. So awesome, they're boss. Uh, March 3rd, the off-road swap meet's happening out at Lake Elsinore. The 10th, uh, Moto Chop Shop celebrating their five-year anniversary by having a sweet party. On the 11th, Hell on Wheels is having a scramble out at Lake Elsinore. 
On the 18th, there's a street-to-track race at uh, the Raceway Park in Sacramento. Sacramento Raceway Park. Uh, eighth Mile Mini Bike Drags and Mini Show. March 31st, the OG Moto Show. Most importantly to me is uh, March 3rd through 9th, Bike Week Daytona, baby. Go over onto the web at, uh, I believe it's officialbikeweek.com. You can see all the stuff that's happening down there. You can get a motorcycle giveaway. They got a little uh, calendar of events. But most importantly, the flat track. Season starts up, kicking off with a TT at Bike Week, babes. Uh, That's you, babes. You're a babes now. And listen up. We're going to see our boy Jeffrey Carver out there on his brand new Indians. And after Mama Tried, uh, Wiggins and I will do a little show on flat track and we'll talk about the whole silly season and who left what teams and whatnot just in case you guys don't listen to other radio uh or podcasts that talk about basically what's happening in racing so we'll do that uh also uh march 3rd where did i leave off here i left off with the moto chop chop hell and we'll scramble at lake elsinore the 18th okay the 31st the og moto show i think i might have already told you that Let's skip into April then, shall we? April 1st, my favorite holiday, April Fool's Day. I plan to punk and prank all of you. And uh, so be looking in your inbox for something from Creative Writing. And your mailbox for an M80. <laughs> God. Uh, all right, April 14th, the Hippie Killer Hoedown. Check online for details. I'm not going to tell you where that's going to be. It's a secret this year. Uh, April 15th, we have... Our good friend and uh, Facebook pal has the uh, Abate Local 27 from Riverside is having their 16th annual Bear Necessities Run hosted by the Geezers MC. Again, that's happening April 15th, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the American Legion. Post number 79, Fairmount Park at 2979 Dexter Drive in Riverside, California. Come out, support rider safety. All bikes, riders, and kids welcome. It's $10 per person. Bring an unopened package of socks or underwears, babies to adults, male or female, for the Salvation Army. Sounds like a good contributable cause, my friends. All right, also the 27th through 29th, Babes in the Dirt. Go check that out if you're a babe and you like dirt. In May, the 4th and the 5th, the quail's happening up in Northern California. And the Californian is happening down here at Santa Anita Raceway Park. I intend to uh, basically go to that, attend that, and I think it's basically going to be SoCal's version of the quail. Um, The 18th, no, I'm sorry, the 13th, my writing is so terrible. Another Hell on Wheels scramble out at Glen Helen. And then we'll wait to get into May and talk about what's happening in May. It's been a long show, friends. You've done good. I'm starting to feel like hammered dog shit, so I'm going to get my ass out of here. Y'all have a good weekend. Ride safe. Keep the rubber side down, the shiny side up. Keep it helmet in the bubbler and the bubbly in your belly. All right. I'm going to leave you with a sentence made of bloopers or uh, edited out material. First of all, it cost us zero dollars to race Coast Mesa Speedway for Harley Night. And none of the businesses profited from that, right? Yeah. And 
person around there, you know? Um, it's the problem that every sport has when you try to get too technical and crazy. And then it's a point system. There's this two concies and a main. 